What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 47th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. I think we should rename this episode to the Comfort Cast. Yeah. Uh, sorry about the mic quality again, everybody. Uh, we are at my parents' house in Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. Um, Just chilling is, for the Canadian Thanksgiving yes, uh, weekend. It is Canadian Thanksgiving weekend, uh, which is on Monday. We are, rec- or which tomorrow, I guess. So we're recording this on a Sunday. We're hanging out in my old bedroom. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, Eric's chilling on a nice uh, chair and an ottoman, and I'm chilling on my old bed. I don't know if it's my old bed or if it's a bed that they put in here. But, Does it feel to be home? Um, it's <laughs> it is what it is, you know. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. happy Thanksgiving to everybody that's celebrating it this uh, yes. this long weekend. To our American listeners, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, to anyone else in Europe, Debbie, I think I think in general it's, a, it's Debbie. Do they even celebrate Thanksgiving? I don't know. <laughs> Let us know. Um, I think it's in general now just to go fuck yourself. I mean, just even with the mic quality. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, we'll get back to our regular we microphones. We're using the TIFF setup. It's just easier because. I think the quality is still decent on our iPhones. It's just I hate the the mic popping, which happens. Uh, yeah, so. which is more so on my side than yours because, like, I feel like you have a nice kind of relaxing, soothing. But we'll voice. figure it out. Maybe you just need to hold it further from your face. But you're pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Like now, maybe I tell you to hold it too close because I'm used to doing it like this. But um, we'll get that straight. And I'm holding now, it the right way. Right? We appreciate everyone. Yeah, you're this good. is great podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about how we podcast behind the scenes. And where we are. Uh, how you doing, buddy? Happy happy belated birthday. Uh, that's Well, you wish me a happy birthday. And, I know, and, but uh, not on the cast. We took a week off. Yes, so it, usually... due to scheduling, not because of my birthday. Well, I mean, yeah, both, I think. Because like, when it was my birthday, I think we took a week off. Right. Too. We like to give people a week but off it was, on their yeah, birthday. But it was, your, it was your 30th, which was really you know like special and you needed some time to really celebrate. I've become 31 and, and I'm still alive for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, and so, uh, it, it was more to do with just like, again, like scheduling, like, yeah, it, you know, we tricky, were both but... busy, mm-hmm. really busy this last week and, and we try to get, uh, new episodes up each and every week and we appreciate those who have been patient in the last little bit. And we still, I mean, even though it's, uh, a month past, there's still a lot of great TIFF stuff mm-hmm. available for you to listen to the roundups and, um, and we're also kind of coming down from TIFF as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Right? And there's so. not much in terms of new reviews anyways because we covered it all during TIFF, right? So, yeah. you know, we can take our time now and and, and kind of release a, a long episode, um, you know, every week or so, um, but not have to be on time at the, at the moment. But it's not that we don't like doing this because we love doing the show. No, we'll get back to yeah. doing it every week. It's just uh, – uh, it just you know, it's hard sometimes when you're you're in Whitby and I'm in Toronto, and you know, work and life gets in the way. But it's all yeah. good. But People I wanted to uh, thank everybody for the birthday wishes and greetings, and uh, 31 and still having fun. So uh, yeah, it was um, nice. That's good. Yeah. Good man. Um, if you guys didn't know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast each and every week. Eric and I get together. Well, usually each and every week, Eric right. and I get together. Uh, shoot the shit. Talk about what's going on in the entertainment industry, uh, What's what new trailers dropped, kind of what we've been watching, what you guys should be watching at home, and all that jazz. Um, if you like this, uh, we do another podcast called Untitled Movie Reviews, where Eric and I are slightly more professional, and we review a new release film um in about 20 25 minutes or so uh right now you guys can check out um 
I haven't separated it yet, but you can go and check out our Lucy in the Sky review from Tiff. I think it's one of our last or one of those last. It's one of the last roundups, yeah, that we did. Uh, you guys can go check that out on the Untitled Movie Reviews channel. Um, and coming soon, we will have a review for Zombieland Double Tap um, next week. Oh, also our Gemini Man review is up right now. You yes, guys can check you can out. go listen to that. Um, and uh, we'll it's have not in 4K 3D <laughs> HFR. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but it is in crappy iPhone mics. So. <laughs> uh, no, they're. They're fine. Uh, Terminator Dark Fate's coming up soon, and we are going to get a super early uh, review of The Lodge because we are going to check that out at the Royal later this month, which yes. actually isn't coming out until February. Yes. So that's, cool. so that's a neon release in the U.S. and VVS Films in Canada. Mm, so Eric will automatically love it. Yes, because I'm a neon <laughs> stan, as the cool kids on film Twitter are saying yeah. these days. Uh, so please go check out that channel as well. That's Untitled Movie Reviews. We'd love it if you guys go uh, subscribe and, and comment over there. Tell us we're great. Too. We want to get back on those charts, baby. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your family. <laughs> uh, tell your local government. <laughs> uh, everyone go vote if you're in Canada as well. Yes. Um, advanced, uh, that is on the 21st. Advanced but polling you, is this weekend. Yes. You already too. voted, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, with your hat. Um, I guess by the time you guys are listening to this, advanced polling has ended. So please go vote on the 21st if you're yes. in Canada. Have your voice uh, heard. This is a federal election as well. We should we should mention that. Yeah. So it's a it's a big deal. We're talking to you, Ben. You're 18 now. You can yeah. go vote like a big boy. Yes. <laughs> uh, Exercise yeah. your right. I did go vote. Yeah, it was yeah. fairly painless. Yeah. It was like pretty dead when I went. Um, but yes, please go do. No matter who you're voting for. With um, your sweet hat. Mm-hmm. Every time you put that hat on, you remind me of Molly Ringwald. Sick. That's what I'm going for. I, I bought a large hat, everyone. Yeah, because she had the same kind of hat in, um, what was it, Pretty in Pink or Sixteen Candles? Yeah, one of those. Yeah. Um, Eric, what have you been watching, my dude? I we haven't have been, recorded in a little while, so you have a, quite the extensive uh, yes. list. Yes, and it's it's that time of year where uh, awards season comes up and uh, I get swamped with screeners. Uh, right now, I'm just about to get into... Uh, watching some documentaries, so I'll talk a little bit about the first one I watched in a, in a minute. Um, but don't worry, I saved room for the most important movie I watched, uh, ironically, on my birthday, uh, Rob Zombie's 31. <laughs> Just because it's titled 31? <laughs> yes. Well, and also I have seen Rob Zombie's other movies, and I keep trying my best <laughs> to find... Like, the one thing I will say about Rob Zombie is that visually he has some interesting ideas and and his aesthetic isn't all bad but the biggest problem i have with his his films is that his writing is so coarse and teenager like and it just feels like he needs to hire somebody who knows how to write other than in profanity every yeah. other every other line and right. and that's you know like it's very crass like yeah and yeah. not cra- like like there's crass that's good or or crass that's kind of you know part of the character but everybody acts the same way in all of his movies they're heightened to 11 they're all obnoxious and over the top and for 31 it's his you know running man battle royale-esque movie where like you have these like aristocratic uh uh, wig wearing um assholes pitting these sort of uh working class individuals in this circus-esque um uh, fight for your life arena with all these like sideshow freaks attacking them and stuff like that and it, it sounds it, like a rob zombie movie. it certainly is um and again like 
I think he's not a bad filmmaker when it comes to picking some interesting visuals and out of his filmography, I think I follow a consensus that's saying that The Devil's Rejects is probably his best yeah. or at least most coherent film. Yeah. Um, Sid Hag actually just passed away recently as well, um, who played Captain Spaulding in, in his Devil Rejects. Uh, did you see the third one or did it come out? No, it's just coming out this week. I think maybe it's available on streaming right now. I have it. It's Three from Hell is the name of the film. Yeah. Um, I'll probably catch up with it next year for my 32, or 32nd <laughs> birthday. Or maybe I'll wait for 33. Three from Hell. Yeah. So, um, but it's, You're only three years from Hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not good. Okay. But it's on Shutter in in Canada and the U.S. If you want to check it out, fair. Um, speaking of Shutter, I also watched uh, the uh, Japanese uh, zombie movie One Cut from the Dead, mm-hmm. which was surprisingly sweet and inspirational. Okay, and I didn't know a lot about it going in, other than just played Tiff as well, right? Like no, light no, box. no, no. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yes. I think you meant like a Kino actual Vortex festival. Thing. No, yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah. So it played um, the, the light box for a week. Um, Shutter picked it up. And the only thing I really knew about it was that it played um, festival circuits a couple of years ago and that um, there was a bootleg version that was um, posted on Amazon. Oh, okay. Because the filmmaker was complaining that they took the bootleg version and had it on Amazon streaming service, Amazon Prime. And wow. so they took it off. But now it's on Shutter because Shutter picked it up for North American release. Um, I don't want to give away too much because I didn't really even. This was the one thing that I was kind of appreciative. I didn't know anything about this movie other yeah. than like it's the gimmick is that it's a kind of low budget zombie movie done in one take. Okay. Um, but there's more to it than that. Interesting. And where it goes is again very sweet and inspirational and really kind of gets you in the the spirit and passion of creating movies okay cool um so i would highly recommend that which is also on shutter right now cool yeah yeah i heard good things i wanted to go to that um i didn't know if it played a week or if it was just one night at i think Kino it, vortex uh, maybe it was one night may, I, i'm not sure but it but was it, one of those movies where like um first love which you just saw and, yeah and, and, and i guess we'll segue in into that yeah. in a second where it was only playing at like eight or nine yeah. p.m. right that was the frustrating thing about first love i mean i can jump over there yeah if yeah you want. please um, i did uh it's something we missed at tiff i uh, i knew it was coming out a couple weeks after the festival so we didn't bother with the midnight madness screening um because we're old yeah uh i did go check it out that's uh takashi mike's uh new film 104th uh, film um yeah is it actually <laughs> yeah he's made over like 104 oh my god what a now. maniac man um a uh, story about a young boxer who um, finds out that he has a brain tumor, um, and it's kind of a night in the life where he gets caught up in a Yakuza kind of um, – uh, this young woman he meets uh, is trying to flee these gangsters, and and he kind of gets caught up in all of it. So, um, so it has kind of like a neo noir vibe. To yeah, it. And, I haven't uh, seen the film, so I'll, I'll catch up with it. But yeah. uh, it's it's okay. Um, I don't know if it was just because I was uh, kind of tired, and and I did go the one night where they had a six thirty p.m. show instead of a nine p.m. because uh, it was playing once a day, and it was always a, a later show, which was weird. Um, but I could see why it's probably very niche. It's not going to do huge business at Lightbox. But um, I had fun with it. I just don't think it's anything more than that. Like I don't really even have much to say. Like hyperviolent kind of um, a movie that you've probably seen 
a hundred times. Right. Um, just, you know, your, your classic like gangsters, gangsters and the, the, and then, and then normal guy gets caught in the middle of it and kind of tries to save the day and save the, save the girl. And, and there's some fun moments, but, um, I don't think there's anything overly spectacular about it. Um, it, it looks really nice. Um, uh, I don't think it's, as stylish as maybe uh i thought it was going to be like it's pretty straightforward and and yeah i just don't really have much to say like i gave it a three um i i enjoyed myself for the most part but i i doubt i'll ever really think about it again if that makes sense no i i totally i totally get what you're where you're coming from and and again like Mike like makes so many movies yeah he's so prolific as a filmmaker that like you know something like this, which which actually has been getting a lot of, of good reviews. Yeah, um, is is kind of interesting because the output is there's so much output that it's like it's hard to really like latch on to the smaller films where it's like you either have the big movie or the film that just doesn't register. And mm-hmm. he again, like he's probably already made like two other films as yeah. as he was doing promotion for First Love. Yeah, and I, I think it's good. It's just uh, I can see why people dig it. It's just it's got uh, it's like got some dark humor in there too that i don't know if it always works but um action sequences are fun um but it just plays out kind of exactly how i expected it to and and um i don't think there's anything overly unique about it um right so and it's and and, and as you said it's 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 hyper stylized and it's yeah. hyper violent as well yeah i, I mean which is, um, a lot of his stuff is yeah right? like, and, i mean he, he he kind of exists but not even overly stylized in a sense of like i almost think it would have been more interesting if it was overly stylized like right. it plays out pretty straight like it's not each then, the, the killer no like graphic like, novel yeah like it it, it plays aggressive. out pretty yeah standard and then there is some hyper violence in there but, okay um yeah because because again like i haven't seen a lot of his stuff I, for, yeah. for a filmmaker that prolific because again like only some of his stuff kind of makes or crosses over but ichi the killer uh if i hear it's good I'll 13 assassins um uh immortal blade which i think was yeah. his 100th film um there's something else as well um there's something to do with like a Somebody drinking breast milk in a movie. Sure. Cue the visitor, I think. Sure. I mean, regular at Midnight Madness, like whenever, I mean, he has two or three films a year. Oh, he also did that horrible uh, Yakuza mascot killer movie a couple years ago with vampires. Yakuza Apocalypse. Oh, fuck that movie hard. It is terrible. See, again, you know, like he's, he's stretching himself so thin sometimes that it's like he goes and makes this, like, I don't mind a trashy movie. Don't get me wrong. I like, and we'll be talking about this not in the context that marvel is necessarily trashy but like what is considered a b movie or 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 you know what is considered high art or low art i don't mind like a like down and dirty kind of film um but like sometimes you can tell when a filmmaker is just going from one thing to the next that sometimes right. the thing maybe that take your time on, a little bit and yeah make sure it's and we'll again. We'll be also be talking about it a little bit with uh, Clint Eastwood, yeah. right? So <laughs> coming up in the that's a teaser for our talking trailer segment. Uh, but yeah, I saw the uh, I saw First Love. I don't know if you want to jump back into stuff. Well, what what, what do I have? Do we have anything that um, segues from First <laughs> First Love? I'm on the wrong show notes. I'm on the last episode. Uh, I can quickly go through the rest of mine. Yeah, sure, um, go for it. I, I caught Joker again in 70 millimeter, which I thought looked fantastic in 70 mil. Um, suits that movie super super well. Um, 
still really, really dig the movie a lot. Uh, I said for the discourse when I went to go see it because we saw it a few weeks before it came out So at, at, at the festival. So now that everyone else is catching up with it. Yeah, having a chance to go see it. I wanted to go check it out again because uh, people are very opinionated on both sides of the movie. It's very divisive. Well, it's become um, exhausting now where yeah. like I'm just – I'm almost – I'm so close to like muting or blocking right. the word Joker. Joker, yeah, I know. And not because I didn't like the movie because I did and we you can go and listen to our, our, our TIFF review of it. But it's just become like – it's the only talking point yes, online, uh, especially with film Twitter. On both sides. I'm exhausted of people saying how amazing it is and people talking how it's the worst thing ever created. I guess so there really was a just, pre and post Joker life. Yeah. Um, it's just hyperbolic, I think, right? Yeah. Like, I think the movie is excellent. And as much as I think Todd Phillips is a knob, which we talked about on the, the last episode. And Nevis raised a lot and, of really great points as well. Yeah. And it's just, I think he needs to shut the fuck up and just let the movie speak for itself. And uh, I do agree with people saying it's a great imitation of a great movie, even though, like, I just mostly enjoyed myself. And I've talked about why I really love the movie. Go check out our TIFF review, and I still stand by. Uh, well, I also like it just there. as something that's different within the comic book genre. Yeah. And we'll be talking about this a little bit more again with Scorsese and Marvel. But, I mean, like, it's so interesting to see a film that is a kind of dark and brooding character study that makes you feel uncomfortable for its, you know, over two-hour running time be yeah. this successful. And, yes, it does have um, the hook of being an established villain. But, yeah. but But it's not an action movie. It's not – you know, a, a blockbuster event movie like mm-hmm. that's and that's kind of interesting. Even though it's making that kind of money and, yeah. and causing a conversation, that's it, yeah. That's, and, no, and, and even though there's controversy with it, there has thankfully there really hasn't been any um, any horrible no the media or took anything. That. I mean, yeah. the media will jump on any overly kind of. I mean, but I don't think that there's anything different here. Like we talked about it when Todd Phillips brought up the John Wick comparison and I thought that was idiotic because he should be comparing it to other things that like, you know, glorify serial killers. or th- There's tons of horror movies. We're in October right now and people are watching. Well, I talked about Henry right. Portrait of yeah, a Serial or, Killer a while back, right? Yeah, and- or anything, not even that, but like to me, it's just like any slasher movie that kind of glorifies a masked serial killer murdering teenagers for fun, right? And right. those movies are made to titillate you to use a better term but they're literally and figuratively yeah and like they're made to be like you sort of cheering on the killer for the most part right Right. and i'm like that or you want to see these characters get killed in in fun ways or weird quote-unquote fun ways Right. right but just because this depicts a character that we know in a very somewhat realistic light that's that makes it very uncomfortable people are talking about that violence a little bit more yeah. and i can and, understand like, like another criticism with and 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 i talked about this on the recent episode of cinema scene where like um i again like i really like the uh, I, I like joker a lot um but i also do find it a little strange that joaquin phoenix went from uh you were never really here to joker which are very similar in yeah. sort of like the like i mean a lot of people compared lynn ramsey's film to taxi driver yeah and they kind of are the flip side of the coin i mean the character that um joaquin is playing in uh you were never really here um is using his um skills as an american soldier post um gulf war um for good but at the same time like you could see that character falling into the same kind of travis bickle-esque trap where yeah he's 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 
doing, quote unquote, the right thing at this moment by helping this young girl get out of a sex trafficking ring. But at the same time, he could also sort of use his abilities for for wrong and it's also dealing with mental illness and it's also dealing with um sort of you know the darker side of of human nature in a a bit more nuanced way um yeah lynn ramsey's a 10 times better filmmaker than todd phillips and i I don't think anybody would disagree with no i agree um uh uncomfortable throughout both of those films but yeah i I, it it is interesting that he went from one to the other and um but yeah i still really like joker i bumped down to a four and a half um, because of todd phillips because of todd phillips (laughs) i still think the movie is great i don't i don't think it's a perfect movie great score um, i think that's the other thing i've been listening to a couple times that main theme yeah if anything like we talked about its oscar chances and not to uh, keep I mean, we'll be talking this at length for throughout the next couple months. But like, originally when I saw it at TIFF and it won the Golden Lion, I was like, "Ooh, it probably sneaks in there now." And I still think it has a chance to get a Best Picture nomination. But like, I think Joaquin and the score are the two things that I think. uh, uh, And you said makeup, which makes Uh, sense. Makeup, and also I would think Mark Bridges, uh, who is the same costume designer for Phantom Thread, gets in for just. The Caesar Romero inspired wardrobe at the end, yeah. because the 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 actual costume and costuming makes sense for the period, and yeah. it stands out as a part of the as a part of the narrative. Like it make like it it brings you into the early eighties Gotham, and and maybe you know like some of the other kind of craft stuff makes it in there. Like again, like I could even see weirdly like production design or something like that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. They, it really felt like an authentically early eighties, New York. Yeah. slash Gossip. I mean, I Gotham, even like the cinematography, but... but I think this year's cinematography, um, is a very competitive right. bunch. And I agree with you there. It's that... funny because, um, somebody brought this up on Twitter and I apologize, f- um, for not crediting you, but, um, thank you for bringing it up. was that Lawrence Shear, who's the cinematographer also was the director of, uh, uh, that horrible Owen Wilson movie, uh, father figures. Oh really? A couple years ago. Yeah. He's the cinematographer, but directed that movie. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I could see cinematography making it in and I wouldn't be surprised if it makes it into best picture, but because it's so divisive, it'll be interesting to see if it if it ends up there yeah um and joaquin is also still like i think he'll get in i think he will be in the top five but he's also very prickly Mm -hmm. so like it's like i'm sure he'll maybe miss either in like sag or something but it's it's hard because like it's a performance that's almost undeniable Mm -hmm. in in terms of like what he's doing in that film um but I do think that I, I think it comes down to right now in terms of who's going to win. It's either him or Adam Driver for a Marriage Story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if you guys have a chance to go see it in seventy millimeter, it looks really, really good. Um, I also watched uh, Okja again. Uh, just been bong ripping the last couple of weeks. So you love that and, bong. Yeah, uh, he's easily becoming one of my favorite filmmakers, and and I. Re- uh, regret only recently kind of seeing his work um, he has not made a bad movie yeah i agree I like know. again like I've, I've talked about like uh, i think on the last episode like mother is one of his more minor movies but it's still great mm-hmm. like if you were to take that out of the context of his own filmography it's 
amazing if you put it in his filmography it's yeah it's not as good as memories of murder or you know uh, you know as mentioned snowpiercer or okja or or any of those movies or even parasite but it's still so good and mm-hmm. it's one of those movies you can't help but recommend or or the host yeah, which you talked about last great. week yeah. as well right so i'm slowly making my way through everything i still need to watch memories of a murder and mother and uh barking dogs never bite yes right? which is on shutter yes so i'm gonna go through and, and eventually catch up with those before the end of the year uh but okja is is i think underrated because i feel like it, it kind of because it got put on netflix and i mean it, i mean it played can and 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 got some some good buzz that year well but. i think it's so I mean, again, this is it's by design, but I think it's because it's so over the top, and I think the over the top sequences that are that are English based or English language maybe are turned off to people. Yeah. people where like it's more acceptable in Korean than yeah. it is in English. Like but the Gyllenhaal it, character specifically <laughs> is very divisive. Yeah. But I think I mean like the thing, and, and I gotta give credit to Gyllenhaal for that. Like he goes for it. Oh, I know, and, and it's great, and that man. is a performance that can be polarizing because it's so over the top. Mm-hmm. I I love it though, and it it is the only film that I think makes me question about eating meat, even yeah. though it's about a the, a, a mystical super pig. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, just, there was actually something about the in the news in Korea recently where yeah. like pigs were being they're actually doing this now yeah. or or trying um, to, and it. it and those last ten minutes of that movie, yeah, are is a gut punch. Yeah, I know, like dude. he makes yeah. like again, he can make the you little laugh mama and, and baby Okja, and then and like, make you uh, cry. Oh my God, he's, he's so, so good. good. Yeah, so Okja, if you guys haven't seen Okja, please, it's on Netflix it's on right Netflix, now. Please watch it. 4K Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos. It looks and sounds amazing, um, and I think it's a movie that just kind of got underlooked that year um but maybe not maybe i just think that and then finally I, I before i go back to you to finish off what you've watched i'll just run through my stuff i i did watch el camino the breaking bad movie my uh, el camino. <laughs> uh i watched that on uh friday night because it it came out i premiered uh, that day um did you stay up for it i didn't stay up on thursday night uh, uh nevis had to work on friday and i wanted to watch it uh with her as much as i really wanted to watch it right away i waited for her uh, so we watched it uh, pretty late on Friday night. Um, I uh, I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan. I've watched the series multiple times now. Um, uh, I've watched it once when it was on air, and then once I recently last year I rewatched the entire series when I was off work. Yeah, and you're uh, watching Better Call Saul. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I've I've caught up on all of Better Call Saul. So huge Breaking Bad fan. Um, this was one of my most anticipated probably movies of the year once I found out it was actually coming this year. Um, and I, I'm not disappointed. I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I, I tweeted it, but I, I don't think it's maybe you, – you're going to – I mean you put this well when we went out for coffee and I'll, I'll use your quote that you said uh, because you, you mentioned Toy Story 4 being very similar. It's a weird comparison, but it's a very well, – you know, Woody does uh, – <laughs> Yeah, it's crack. Crack. <laughs> or whatever the hell uh, – uh, crystal meth or whatever the hell they're cooking. Um, so – Buzz is buzzed. It's a really, really good movie that feels completely unnecessary. Right. If that makes sense. So uh, it's a very nice epilogue to Jesse Pinkman and and Breaking Bad because I I do feel like he is the one character where we kind of didn't really get a lot of closure on well, him. It was all about and Walter, right? Well, about Walt, but everyone really cared about Jesse and he was probably the most – Redeemable character yeah, redeemable, by the end of yeah, it. Yeah, even though he did horrible things as well, he was always manipulated by Walt, right? right? And Walt was such an evil piece of shit that like you really did feel bad 
bad for this guy by the end of it. And, and, and by the end of that series where you realize he was, I mean, basically uh, kidnapped and, and held captive by neo-Nazis for six months. It's it's really horrifying when you think about it. Right. So the movie... Um, so did it explore sort of like the psychological aspects yes. of like him kind of getting back into the regular world again or trying to while yeah. being you know hunted by the law yeah so it very much takes place right after the finale and minutes after jesse escapes sorry spoilers everyone um for breaking bad but um uh you should have watched it by now <laughs> right. um i won't go too into detail what the movie covers but it does go over his time while he was captive and and how that affects him now as he's trying to elude like uh, escape from the police and and start a new life so um uh yeah lots of uh familiar characters show up it's just nice to kind of revisit that world because i think uh we should mention um, uh the great uh robert forrester just passed away i know who's in el camino yes we should have started that off the top uh robert forrester did pass the day that el camino premiered so i don't know if this is his last film or i think he has a um, couple other things things that that are in post-production um but he is excellent and if anyone who saw breaking bad um he's excellent in that as well um but a a couple really great scenes with uh, aaron paul in this and it shows that aaron paul is just he hasn't really been able to kind of transcend after like breaking bad because i think he he was he was so good as jesse it's hard for him to get away from right it's it's that's the Um, role he's kind of identified with it's like i mean it's the same thing with any actor you know film or television they have you know, it, it, it's great to have an amazing filmography or become, quote unquote, a movie star. But sometimes you get associated with one role for your whole career. And that's not necessarily a bad thing either because it's better to have one thing than nothing, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I can see that like even with, you know, Seinfeld. Like every time I think of Jason Alexander, I just think of George. I don't right. think of and him as anything really else. And he hasn't really been able to do anything no. else. And he was right? a character actor before then. Like he was yeah. in Jacob's Ladder and Pretty Woman and stuff like that. So like you look at like those you know people that have small roles or or pop up and things like aaron paul was in mission impossible 3 and you know he has a small role at the end of capex i don't know why i'm remembering that movie um but like even more recently with like him trying to become like a movie star with that horrible need for speed movie it just didn't work and yeah jesse pinkman's like the role of a lifetime for him Mm -hmm. and he's great in this like he carries the movie really really well and you do care about jesse and and um, it's tense. There's, I don't want to go too into detail. I might talk to you about it more after, but there's some, in the last act, it get, there's like a, a weird Western style, like, um, dual scene that just feels sort of out of place. So would you <laughs> like, say that the movie runs out uh, of gas? It, it doesn't. I, I do think it's quite good. It was, it just felt like weirdly stylized where I'm like, I don't know if this would, this is how this would play out. Like right. it feels like you're doing this because this is a movie and this isn't how these people would actually act. But there um, was certain stylish moments throughout uh, Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad yeah. where it kind of was taking genre elements and maybe it better incorporated them in the show than having to kind of like – it didn't rush to get to those things where if mm-hmm. you're doing it within you know the context of two hours, mm-hmm. maybe it, it, it feels more deliberate. Yeah, maybe. But I do love how it was shot. It was shot on um – Ari Alexa 65 um, in 239 Cinemascope wide. So it really does have a cinematic look that I, I, I kind of liked shot digitally where I believe um, – I think our friend Jack uh, – uh, 
Gattinella? Gattinella was talking about how uh, Breaking Bad um, was shot on film. So he was comparing the look of this, which is more like kind of Better Call Saul because it's shot digitally, even though it's in CinemaScope wide. Uh, I still really like the look of the movie. It does have a, a different look than than Breaking Bad. And I, I do appreciate that he committed to the CinemaScope kind of cinematic look for the movie. Right. Um, yeah, and it was just cool kind of revisiting these characters that um, uh, that we really, really loved in this show. And um, Well, do you think there will be more Breaking Bad movies now as well? Because the title of this film is, is El Camino, but the, the subtitle is a Breaking Bad movie. So do you see like maybe after, depending on what happens with the last season of Better Call Saul, like maybe a film that's kind of like yeah. this as like an epilogue, so to speak? So I could see – the only way I could see this happening is – I mean, you could take other characters from Breaking Bad maybe and either do a prequel, um, kind of like Better Call Saul. But I really don't th- – I think this is it. And, right. Because um, do you want to really actually catch up with what like Skylar is doing no. and stuff like that? And she, and she's not in this, right? And that's yeah. fine. And I don't think you need uh, – it was really Jesse's story. So you have some cameos from people that were important to Jesse throughout the series and um, – yeah, I, I think maybe with Better Call Saul, you either – you could do the same thing with – have you watched any of Better Call Saul? No. Um, but each season starts with a uh, uh, a present-day scene with Saul yeah, in you talk Cinnabon, about Cinnabon and like it's shot in black and white and, and it's about him just like start his new life in Omaha, right, as the Cinnabon <laughs> uh, manager. And he's always paranoid about someone trying to find or get his him. past catching yeah. up with him. Right? So I don't know whether you do that maybe as the last season of the show or maybe you cross cut in between like the present day and, and, and maybe him finally becoming Saul in the Breaking Bad timeline. Solibon? Um, so... I don't know. Or you could make that a movie as well, right? Like you could shoot it in black and white and, and kind of do that whole thing of like – I just don't know if there's enough there. So I think they'll probably incorporate that stuff into the show rather than doing a movie on Better Call Saul. Yeah. Um, and I think this is probably it for Breaking Bad. I think it was a nice epilogue for both Jesse and the series. Um, and I think it gave you some closure on – it showed you some scenes that we never saw from the – like from a different perspective from the original series. It showed you what's happening now, some great Robert Forrester stuff and um, – I mean I mean obviously as well. I just want to quickly mention with Robert Forrester, uh, amazing character actor um, You know, in, in the 70s and 80s uh, or in the late 60s even. Uh, started with uh, Haskell Wexler's Medium Cool, which is on the Criterion channel. You should definitely check that out. Uh, and then, you know, popped up in a lot of genre movies from Disney's The Black Hole to Alligator. Back. Sorry about that. I was getting a telemarketing uh, call. We're yeah. recording on our uh, phones. Um, but what I was saying was uh, Robert Forster, uh, an amazing character actor, always really, really subtle, started his career in, in you know the late 60s with Haskell Wexler's Medium Cool, which you can check it out on the Criterion channel, but also did a lot of genre stuff with 
uh, Disney's The Black Hole, and Alligator, where he fights an alligator loose in New York that was uh, written by John Sayles, and then obviously um, had a career resurgence with Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown as Max Cherry, um, a very uh, sweet-natured uh, bail bondsman, um, and his scenes with him and Pam Greer are incredible, and and... and kind of gave him a new lease on life and um popped up in a really underrated little movie called diamond men with um uh donnie Wahlberg and he's uh robert forster's the lead in that which he didn't get a lot of leading roles he's always a character character actor, supporting yeah. role i mean again like in in medium cool he was the lead but you know seeing him in something like that in diamond men like he's a lot of fun in, in that movie as a uh diamond salesman and sort of like them him and donnie Wahlberg getting caught up in this um, this scheme that goes a little bit awry. Um, so yeah, it was always fun seeing him in movies and he always brought something more to the role, even, even in something like the descendants, which could have been played as one note as like the angry father-in-law, but he brought more vulnerability and warmth to the few scenes that he was in. Yeah, totally agree. Um, Okay, uh, and let's move back over to the other stuff you uh, have. Sure. Watched. What do I have on that list? Uh, you got a lot. Where do we want to jump to? So uh, you caught we. I mean, we can stick to Netflix. You watched Stephen King's In the Tall Grass. Yeah. So this is Vincenzo Natelli's uh, adaptation of Stephen King and his son Joe Hill's uh, novella. Um, it's a very like if you, if you don't know Vincenzo Natelli he is the director of single location high concept thrillers like Cube and Nothing he also directed uh the kind of fly-esque uh movie Splice that Guillermo del Toro executive produced with uh, Adrian Brody and uh Sarah Pauly with a creature called Dren uh which spelt uh uh correctly is actually nerd um, cool. Did you ever see that? No. You never saw it, Splice? No, I remember when it because he has a connection to Toronto, right? Doesn't yeah, he? well, he's, like... he's he's from Toronto. Okay. Because uh, he shoots a, like, nowadays he's known for shooting a lot of Toronto-based um, production and television. So yeah. he did a lot of episodes of Hannibal okay. and American Gods and stuff like that. Okay. And he has a very strong visual style that's kind of surreal and 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 picturesque and beautiful but also kind of depicts the gross yeah. kind of nature of of um humanity and I what seen humanity really any of his stuff capable of cube is really good i mean cube is of the time of the mid 90s but it was a really solid calling card movie and unfortunately he was never really able to parlay that into anything else but a lot of people rip that off afterwards yeah and he even rips actually himself scenes off. from cube off yeah. in in the tall grass and in the tall grass to me feels almost like stephen king went to his dresser drawer opened it up and saw his original manuscript or, or um, sort of plot outline for Children of the Corn, and was like, okay, let's rework this and make it less about you know a, a group of uh, demonic children playing uh, praying to a deity, and make this more about um, almost like a Venus flytrap uh, esque. Uh, field of tall grass that once it sucks you in, um, you can't escape. You can't escape it. And it. And not only does he rip off his own work, the the final shot of this movie. I won't say what it is, but it rips off Lost. 
Like the final <laughs> shot is a, a almost an exact replica of the final shot in the the final episode of Lost. I mean, um, if people have seen Lost, they know exactly what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, but I'm not, but I'm not giving yeah. the context behind yeah. it all. Um, it plays with time and memory, and there's certain inserts in it. The biggest name in the film is uh, Patrick Wilson, who kind of plays this. Um, uh, realtor and kind of former Christian devotee kind of guy whose family gets lost in, in, in the tall grass. And um, again, like it's not a bad kind of Netflix movie. It makes sense that it's gone there. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for something to get you into the genre spirit of it all, I would say this maybe is a good place to start. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not, it's it's very slight. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like an extended short. Fair. Um but it was okay. Um you watched 28 days later and 28 weeks later. I did. I don't have too much to say about this other than I prefer I haven't seen them in a very long weeks time. later. Interesting. And, and the thing is with 20 and I think again like I like Danny Boyle. We talked about this with the Ang Lee inter, uh, review for um Gemini Man, that uh, Danny Boyle was an early adopter of digital, mm-hmm. and the digital cinematography in 28 Days Later does not, not hold, hold up. up. I haven't seen it in a very um, long time. There's, <laughs> I think you've mentioned this before in the past. It's very much, uh, uh, I mean, this is one of Killian Murphy's first roles, and yeah. he kicks it off right with a bush shot. Yeah, <laughs> nice big old bush <laughs> shot. That's the first. Um, I remember seeing that as like, I think that might have been one of like the first penises i saw in a movie like it stuck with me like, right. quite literally uh, like, yeah it's like, so small i'm maybe not but like i just uh i just and it was one of naomi harris's first movies as well yeah. like i remember that was a big role for her and and what have you and i still like the movie but um i think 28 weeks later really ramps it up and is yeah, it's more action more stylish and, and right? i and i tweeted about this the casting in that movie is mm-hmm. incredible because this was before like rose Byrne, uh, Jeremy Renner, Idris Elba had done The Wire at this point, but I forgot they're all in twenty. They're all weeks. in it. Uh, so was Imogene Poots. Oh wow! Uh, Harold talking about Lost. Harold uh, Pernod. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's an amazing cast of like wow. up and coming uh, American and British actors that are all now you know regularly working mm-hmm. and and uh, you know like I know we we've talked about Renner in the past. He's actually really good in in, in the movie. Yeah, before um, he got. <laughs> Before Again, he turned like, into Jeremy Renner. Yeah, before he started selling uh, <laughs> camping gear on Amazon. And, and um, started an app. But if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. And it's kind of a shame that we never got the the third proposed movie 28 months later. And I know that like Alex Garland, who you know has been uh, a major influence on, on those films and being a writer on them, um, has, has talked about it. He's been in the news recently as well, saying that he hated uh, doing the reshoots and, and saving uh, Dread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, let's go into. I'm gonna package these four together. You can talk about. Uh, I'll ramble them off. Yeah, Manhunter, Near Dark, Body Bags, and Thinner. Okay, so this is me doing the genre thing. I yeah. sent you a list of movies, and I started watching some of the I ones haven't, that, yeah. you, that I that I put on the list. So Michael Mann's Manhunter. Yeah. Um, next to Silence of the Lambs is the best Hannibal Lecter movie, although it's really not about Hannibal Lecter. It's about Will Graham yeah. uh, chasing down the Tooth Fairy Killer who's played by um, uh, Tom Noonan in a really great performance. Uh, very stylized. Uh, very 80s, but in a good way. Like, it feels like if you want to get, like, like what 80s saturation was like, this is the movie you watch. And this was around the time when, when Man was 
in, in uh, you know, a showrunner, an executive producer on um, Miami Vice. So you can tell that he's taking some of that style that he was very adamant about on that show and bringing it into Manhunter. Um, really well done. Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. Um, I gotta watch, I gotta rewatch Lost Boys next. Um, yeah. One of the more underrated uh, 80s vampire movies with uh, Bill Paxton, Lance Hendrickson, and Jeanette Goldstein uh, from Aliens. So Catherine Bigelow cast all those three actors from Aliens. Tim Thomerson's also in it. Um, Neo-noir-esque, bloody vampire movie that is just kind of a delight to watch. Extremely violent and still gross and weird i'm not the biggest fan of the final act of the movie but uh still a good time to watch if you haven't seen it yet and you like westerns or horror films or a combination of the of the two this is definitely a movie for you cool um and then stephen king's thinner this is more of a nostalgia watch hadn't seen it in a long time again this is one of those you know based on a stephen king story that feels like it would be better as a short than a feature film it's about a uh heavy set attorney um, who gets acquitted of a hit and run, uh, running over a old gypsy woman who her father, um, is much older, uh, as you learn in, in the film, curses this attorney and the people that helped get him off. And the curse is that he'll get really thin really quickly. Um, the actor who plays the attorney is Robert John Burke, who played RoboCop and RoboCop 3, and he uh, was most recently in Black Klansman as uh, the chief of police. Okay. Um, you've probably seen him in a hundred things. Like, yeah. He always pops up and stuff. Um, horrible uh, fat suit and makeup. <laughs> um, strange premise. But uh, Joe Montagna uh, as uh, one of this lawyer's clients as a Italian, like your stereotypical Italian mobster is amazing. Richie the Hammer. And he's basically doing Fat Tony from The Simpsons. Sick. And it's and, and it is the best part of the film. It's just yeah. that he's not in it that much. Right. Uh, and then uh, you got The King and the Elephant Queen. These are two different films. Yes, everyone. yeah. So uh, The King is David Mitchod, who directed War Machine, The Rover, and uh, Animal Kingdom's latest movie, which is taking um, the story of Henry V, uh, the Shakespearean version of it yeah. and turning it into a kind of more modernized take, but still set in a period piece, sort of a uh, 15th century setting, but has kind of like a modern flair to it. And they make the character of John Falston um, played by uh, Joel Edgerton, who's also a co-writer with David Mitchell on the film, um, more of a sympathetic character because usually in past portrayals both on the stage and screen he's always kind of like the puppet master that yeah. is kind of like telling henry v what to do once he becomes in power but like it makes the story and there's a quote in the film where like he says like you know what makes for a better story dying on the battlefield or dying as as a villain kind of thing and like there's lines about like you know as a king you only you don't have friends you only have followers or foes and mm-hmm. the idea that you know uh timothy chalamet who plays king henry v or prince hal as he's known uh before assuming uh the the crown from his father uh henry the fourth played by uh ben mendelson in a small role um is kind of like 
the rebellious uh, king who doesn't want any part of uh, his father's lifestyle, doesn't want to become his father. And it, it, it's, you know, thinking about politics recently, it's like somebody who has the the best intentions or has an ide- uh, idealistic kind of point of view slowly but surely having to kind of play the part that he's given. Um, nicely shot, really great score. Adam Arkinpah is a cinematographer. Uh, Nicholas Brittle did the... Uh, uh, the score, um, just doesn't really amount to a whole lot. Like, like it's like, it's, it's subtext and it's themes are just all presented to you in a very kind of blunt way. Um, and even though the acting is good, I felt like I was watching like masterpiece theater in in a way. Um, but it makes sense that it's going to be on Netflix and it feels like a film that you could just catch up with at any time like you don't right. need to see this theatrically even though it does look nice and it is playing Lightbox starting um this wednesday yes uh the 16th correct yes um and then it'll be on netflix november 1st yes yeah little timmy, uh, little uh, timmy. and then our first apple tv plus kind of yeah uh, review so this is um it's award season as i mentioned bfca or Critics' Choice Association, as it's now called, <clears throat> um, has been sending me screeners for docs because we vote for docs first. Yeah. So I got the first um, Apple Plus uh, movie that they're promoting that opens, um, I believe, this week, actually, in yeah. New York and L.A. Okay. And then we'll be expanding in the next couple of weeks. And then when Before Apple yeah. Plus launches, it'll be on their site. It kind of – it's very much like a, like a, a Disney – Nature documentary, like like anthropomorphizes um, uh, this elephant herd of tuskers. Um, Like Chiwetel Ejiofor does the um, the narration, and he sort of talks about like how like the main matriarch of this elephant herd, Athena, is the one that's kind of leading them all. It's beautifully shot. There's some funny kind of like weird, gross. Like nature is gross and beautiful at the same time because they have these um, bullfrogs that are that are mating, and it's like. Chiwetel Ejiofor's voiceover is like the male whips up some frothy uh, foam for the female to put her eggs in. Mm, mm, yummy. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and then afterwards, you see like um, a turtle go and eat it, and, and Chiwetel's uh, voiceover is like the turtle's prize is a nice meringue tasting <laughs> meal with some eggs inside. And after him doing the voice for Scar in Lion King, I just felt his, it his very... His voiceover like, in this is actually more, more entertaining. More menacing. It's more <laughs> menacing. It's like, no, he's got a very nice yeah, voice know, and I very know. eloquent. Um, but what I liked about this more than, like, say, the average Disney nature documentary yeah. is that it kind of shows you the the the, the sad kind of truth of what's going on right now in the environment so it takes place even though they, they don't say it it was shot in kenya in the african savannah and it has this elephant herd during a drought sort of having to make a decision whether or not to move to um a safe spot which would which is about like 100 miles away from where mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. and they're kind of waiting because the athena the 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 matriarch doesn't want to move because the new baby elephant that was born recently uh as she's called in the movie uh mimi um is really struggling so yeah. they don't know what to do right and so there are storylines that are created for this um that are kind of cute and what have you but there are some moments where it's like oh like they're actually showing you like sort of the darker or, or like, just the, not darker not, not but even darker just like the real the, the realistic nature of what happens in yeah. these environments like it's not it's not all just a fluff cutesy yeah. you know like oh a coming of 
age stuff for an elephant baby and stuff like that. Like it's kind of sad and realistic, but it still is very, still has a kind of sugary coating to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's fine. I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. It's beautifully shot. It's, you see that frog foam and uh, beautiful (laughs) HD. Because I saw it, it was, it was the screener link that I got for it was, uh, was 170. What do you mean? Like, uh, like um, the the actual presentation of it, or like oh, the interesting, okay. yeah. I don't know. Did you go through uh, knowing it's an Apple movie? Did it just download like on iTunes or something? No, I or? had to download a thing called yeah. like oh yeah, Nix or something like. That. Interesting. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I'm I'm more and more curious with the Apple TV Plus stuff. Like, I, I again, I get a year for it of it for free because i got the new iphone so right. i think that's the only way i would have actually you're recording this uh yeah podcast, I mean, so. and i'm looking at an apple laptop i took off my apple watch so like God, you're so um, a brand i know um but i am curious i just don't know how much of it i'm actually gonna watch right, right. I'm, I'm curious about the a24 stuff that they'll produce for apple tv plus and like how they're gonna do that divide like is it gonna be the same as the direct tv a24 stuff that feels or is it like gonna be like b tier like netflix kind of thing because they i mean the first one that they're they're starting with 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 a twenty four Apple collaboration is Sofia Coppola's yeah. on the rocks with her reuniting with Bill Murray. So, so it doesn't, that doesn't seem, seem like B-tier, a direct right? TV yeah. release. So it's just interesting of what they will choose to put in theaters and what they will choose to stream. Uh, stream. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm, I'm but, curious. but but the Elephant Queen, like at the same time, I could also see that like watching it as like. Yeah, why didn't Disney pick this up? Right, they could have just slapped it. But Disney. I guess maybe because there's stuff in it that feels a little bit more mature. Right, maybe. Um, uh, but it's going to be interesting, dude. We're only a couple weeks away from Apple TV Plus launching. We're about a month away from Disney Plus launching. Um, so, I mean, we'll be talking about tons of streaming stuff probably coming up soon so get that lady um, in the tramp uh review anticipation <laughs> yeah i don't know how it's gonna work with us for all of those things too like if we're gonna do uh, it'll be interesting from a pr angle too of um, yeah are they gonna screen them for press yeah, or is it gonna theaters, be like a netflix thing where you get a screener link yeah. or it because disney always usually does things a bit differently but it, it's gonna be fascinating i can't i mean we're a month away from mandalorian from lady in the tramp from God knows, oh, all Noel. What else is coming? Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't wait for that. So, all right. Moving to staying at home. I'll fly through my digital picks before Eric goes into his uh, Blu-ray uh, and 4K picks. Uh, yeah, a bunch of random stuff this week. I tried to pick some um, genre stuff because it's October, so we have uh, spooky. Um, I would even include Edward Scissorhands in that for seven dollars in 4K. Uh, I am Legend, if you're on a Will Smith kick uh, because of Gemini Man, uh, 4K for $10. I think that includes the director's cut as well. Uh, Evil Dead in 4K, the um, uh, the remake uh, for 8 bucks. Uh, the Fede Alvarez. Yeah, version. Fede Alvarez one. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula in 4K for $8. Coppola. Um, Coppola and Shutter Island in 4K for it's under ten dollars. I don't know how much it is because I already purchased it. Right. So, but it's um, a good movie. It's a great movie. My sister says it's one of her favorite movies. She says she doesn't for. like movies apparently. Yeah. So uh, I don't Shout think anyone. I think it's it's like music. I don't think anyone doesn't like movies or music. It just not might not be like your thing. Right? Yeah, like it might you, not be their their in their life their go daily yeah. kind of way. Like right? you'll watch a movie and you'll enjoy certain ones. You can like, appreciate. Like it. I'm a person who always like 
again, when you're saying I don't like music or something. Well, you like listen that, to scores. I do, yeah, and and I do listen to music. It's just not my like go to thing, right? So, you're a big Hootie and the Blowfish fan. Um, love him. Uh, so those are my digital picks. Eric, uh, do you want me to kind of go through because you don't have it up? Yeah. Um, so uh, well, I mean, I can, I can first them, me- yeah. mention that. So um, Scream Factory was kind enough to send me um, a box set of the Omen Deluxe uh, collection or de- uh, Deluxe Edition, um, which has uh, uh, all five Omen movies. So from the first film, there are five Omen so, movies. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna go through. I had this. No idea. Yes. Um, well, now you know. Um, so the first one is obviously the most iconic. I've seen that one. Yeah. Came after uh, The Exorcist, um, about a uh, demon child, uh, the Antichrist, the boy. Uh, Damien. It's all for you. Obviously, the famous line, Jerry Goldsmith's Oscar-winning score. Um, Screen Factory has done a uh, remaster, 4K. Uh, remaster from the original negative um it looks gay a uh, great um gate <laughs> looks gay <laughs> like whoa okay gate <laughs> yeah i know uh, i got i got it uh, hell's gate um what it, i mean i don't want to take credit for this because um but it's it's a very apt comparison jay Cheel um said when um they did a review of it a while ago that it's kind of like a final destination movie Okay. And I have to agree with him on that because in the film there's so many setups of characters being killed in kind of like that uh Rube Goldberg kind of yeah. way, right? Where like you see it you see it coming and you know how it's gonna play out, but the characters don't. And then like when it happens, it's still shocking. Like one death in particular with uh David Warner's character is truly horrific and funny, but Again, like feels like the final destination. People probably watched that movie and was like, "Okay, well, you know, like let's not make it about like the the possible Antichrist doing this and Damien kind of maybe or maybe not controlling these events, but have like a supernatural aspect of just like death, yeah. death doing it itself." And and I mean, also Final Destination is just a slasher flick without the slasher, and mm-hmm. this is kind of what the Omen is. And then with so Gregory. Peck is, is amazing in it as well as the dad and, and it's one of his kind of later roles. Um, it's not as good as The Exorcist, but I, I liked it a lot more on rewatch than I remembered as a kid. Um, then with the sequels, um, this, the, the first sequel is Damien uh, being adopted by another family and William Holden's kind of like the big name of that film. And then the third one has Sam Neill as the grown-up version of Damien. And this is back in 83 or 84. Um, and then the fourth one, which I haven't watched yet and I haven't seen because the fourth one was a TV movie. Okay. Um, which was, I think it was around like 85, 86. Sort of like Home Alone 4. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why not? I'm just uh, saying, also a fourth film yeah. that was a TV and movie. And then the one, the, the remake um, with Leah Schreiber and Julia Stiles. Is that included in this? It yeah. is. Uh, was kind of a I've gimmick. seen that one too. I yeah, think. and that was kind of gimmicky on its release because it came out in 2006. And it kind of like all lined up with the three sixes. Six, 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 yeah. Yeah, and oh, it's, it's Sorry, I got good. something after that. It's not very good. Uh, it just, it's very stylized and kind of by the time you get to that it feels like well 
like it's just a, it came at that point where you know you were getting a lot of remakes of 70s and 80s yeah that mid 2000s texas chainsaw massacre yeah yeah. we had that i mean i think every 10 years we get that (laughs) like we get a a spew of remakes from you know 30 years ago there's nothing really artistic or interesting about them like i will i mean even fede alvarez's evil dead isn't great and especially compared to the raimi trilogy of evil dead movies but it is at least thoughtful and you can tell that Fade is bringing something more to the film than say like a hack filmmaker who was just hired by the studio to make a quick buck like mm-hmm. the, the Fog was made oh yeah god or, or, or the Fog Bay's produced Texas Chainsaw Massacre I just tweeted about the Fog because my the first date I ever went on yeah. <laughs> was to see the Fog um, go, uh, uphill from there right? yeah no it went downhill okay. um <laughs> Uh, before I lose my train of thought, when you brought up strategic release dates, like um, I finally, I should have mentioned this when I saw uh, Joker. Um, I saw the trailer for Tenet uh, finally in a theater. Yeah. I don't know have you have you seen it no, in a theater yet? Um, the, the, bootleg. the bootleg. So I finally saw it. It was the seventy mil trailer. Uh, it looks fantastic, um, but you can tell he's releasing it on seven one seven intentionally right because it's uh what's that when something goes forward not an anagram uh oh no uh, i know what you're talking yeah. about yeah like, like, like race car you know goes forward and back it's oh, the I same thing meaning like like a name like the way that like yeah. a name like like because they mentioned this in arrival where like yeah if you spell a name like hannah like it's spelled hannah backwards and forwards yeah that's what race car is too yeah. right yeah i forget what the term is i'm we're morons right now yeah. but anyways I, that seems like what the movie's about right like playing with time forward and backwards so right. releasing it on get, when you start from the beginning and you get to the end but you're basically in the same place yes way. so then releasing it on 717 i'm like i think is very uh intentional yeah. no one um, else is trolling us. i don't know so anyways it looks really good um uh i should have brought it up in talking trailers which will go into next but yeah i mean it's a it's it is still a teaser mm-hmm. but did you get anything more out of it than what the bootleg looking good like did you know just a, anything? yeah i mean you can really tell that that whole first sequence is played in reverse um like you can tell just by the way the movements and the smoke is moving and things like that even though yeah even though he's walking forward you can tell it's being played in reverse and um i mean it looks like a nolan movie very stylish very um uh, cinematic looking and and john david washington looks like a movie star and i mean he is i mean we saw that in black klansman and and um but it it Ballers. We don't see much from the movie, but I was—it was just nice to see it. The score sounded incredible, and and it looks intense. And um, uh, yeah, it's a Nolan movie, so it's going to be one of the most anticipated movies of next year. I should also quickly mm. mention with the King. Speaking of Tenet, because uh, Robert Pattinson plays yeah. in the King, so Robert Pattinson plays the Dauphin of France. Isn't he very over the top in oh, it? Oh, he is truly like a Monty yeah. Python character. I can't His wait. His <laughs> French accent is out of the yeah. extreme. He doesn't pop up until like halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. But if there is one reason to watch the game for him, because he has this blonde wig on. He looks like Tom Cruise <laughs> yeah. from Interview with a Vampire. Oh my God, yes. And he has this accent that I don't think is quite French, but could be. And it's even weirder because <laughs> Timothy Chalamet actually speaks speaks French and it's from a French 
background. So yeah. like you can tell there are times when, when Pattinson's accent is kind of breaking a little bit. But the funniest thing is he's like, let, let us speak in English now. It is simple and ugly. It's <laughs> just like, what is going on? I can't wait. I'll check it out this week. Just for those uh, scenes. Just for those scenes. I do want to see it. So, and I like. I'll, I'll see anything at Lightbox, really. Right. So, um, all right. Moving on. Uh, you got some other stuff here. Uh, the Haunting of Hill House is, is out on Blu-ray. I didn't know that. Yeah. There. So there, and it's an extended cut. So right. Um, okay. Interesting. Flanagan, Certain like, episodes or the whole thing. I I don't know. I've got. A, I, I haven't. Paramount didn't send me uh, the Blu-ray copy. All right. So I will find out next week for you when I when I mm-hmm. when, I, when I start rewatching it or cool. look into it more. Um, yeah, and and this is actually perfect timing for for Doctor Sleep as well because Mike Flanagan's the director of, of that uh, Shining sequel. Um, and the 4K of The Shining just came out recently too, yeah. which you mentioned on last week's episode, yes. I believe. Yes, and you actually just uh, I put on the beginning, yeah. and it holy crap, it looks incredible! Yeah. <laughs> like it looks so good. My mom even like I, I'm at home, so I brought my Apple TV 4K with me, of course, um, and I had it. I just I like checking out different televisions. Like my dad has a 65 inch Samsung 4K TV, and I have an LG. 55 inch oled at home so i like just seeing how things look like on different tvs and stuff and his tv looks incredible and uh because their tvs uh they have a bigger living room so it's a bit further away so i feel like it just when you're further away from a screen it just looks a bit nicer right because the the pixels blend together better and things like that and it's bigger um i mean his tv is bigger even though it's further away um Anyways, The Shining. I put on the opening just to watch that uh, the helicopter shot from the the beginning. Yeah, the and, yeah. They're, they're driving to the over, and with the opening credits, right? Yeah. And uh, it just it looked fantastic. Then I watched the opening interview scene, um, and then I I turned it Some off. But um, yeah, um, it's in four K. You can really see it. Um, it. It looks. I can't believe how good it looks in four K. It's a great movie. Yeah. I think it would look good no matter what. But yeah, it, when you do see it in that high resolution like a remastered 4k is crazy yeah. good i'm sorry to cut you off but no i i i was just gonna say like i i do appreciate that you know netflix is 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 more open with their television going to, to physical media yeah than their films i wish i like i mean i'm jumping all over the place but we talked about this. Like, I, I wish they would partner up with Criterion for some of the things, like Roma. Or I would even I like, like Oakja would have been great on Criterion. I hope Parasite eventually makes it to Criterion for Bong's first. Yeah, but Neon thing. will release that on Blu-ray. I know, but I just would love. Like, he doesn't have a movie in, on the Criterion no, collection, right? Yeah, that should also it does not have even a Blu-ray release. Like, no, there's no Blu-ray release of that film. Yeah, and I think maybe there's a DVD, but it's on Amazon Prime. So, in HD, yeah. Yeah, so I mean they. They could do a version of that. Um, with Roma, like, I mean, recently uh, it was announced for the November uh, section of Criterion releases that they'll be do, uh, releasing uh, uh, Powell Palakowski's Cold War. So mm-hmm. Amazon is open to working with them. So yeah. why not, you know, have, um, you know, Netflix? And Netflix has some stuff that I could see Criterion you know, wanting to... Roma would be the well, first Roma obvious choice. Marriage Story is yeah. another one because they, they've released a lot of bombback stuff over the last and few I th- years. And I believe that it will happen because they did hire that... Um, 
sorry, I don't know her name, but I think a woman who was the head of um, like physical media, like marketing and, yeah, and merchandise year. for Disney, I think moved over to Netflix. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe that's why you're seeing more Netflix merchandise come out, but they haven't really... I get why they haven't, but I think if you wait, like Criterion would make the most sense because you could wait a year or two even yeah. and then finally put them out on physical on Criterion, right? And only certain movies, obviously you're not going to get in the tall grass or something on, on Criterion, but like they're working like the, uh, even the Irishman, it's going to suck when you don't have a physical version of yeah, that like movie, what right? One of these movies wins best picture. Right? And you can't get a physical. The only way is you, your screeners you get sent is right. the only way you get a physical so version of... And, um, it's a DVD. yeah, usually they're DVDs, right? Um, which a piece of news came out this week, which we don't have in the news, but the Academy, at least if you're in the Academy, uh, you have a choice now to get screeners, uh, online screeners of stuff, which should actually be in either 4k or HD, right. um, which is nice. And hopefully that kind of transitions to the BFCA and things like that well, too. It saves but a lot of money as well. In terms yeah. Of printing to, to mail all that stuff. Yeah. Out to mail and print the yeah. discs, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, it's environmentally uh, friendly. Um, but also just quickly mentioning with uh, the Mike Flanagan thing, the other thing that's kind of interesting, and, and I know you didn't watch the trailer for it yet, so maybe I'll just mention it. Oh, here, shit, yeah, sorry. Is, um, the second season of uh, Hill House, which is, I believe, called The Haunting of Blythe Manor, yeah. which is based on the turning of The Screw, which is the Henry Thomas novel that's been adapted many times over the years. One of the best is uh, Criterion Blu-ray release of The Innocence, which is... All comes full circle. <laughs> all comes full screw. Um, and uh, Universal is releasing um, their version of it called The Turning, which they released the trailer for this week, uh, that co-stars Mackenzie Davis and Finn Wolfhard. And um, uh, Brooklyn Prince, and right? Brooklyn Prince of yeah. uh, The Florida Project. Uh, this is now called uh, The Turning Project. Uh, and it kind of looks like your typical early February, January horror, horror flick. release. Yeah. But I'm kind of hopeful at the same time because, and I cannot pronounce her name, but she is a Toronto-based, or she, yeah, yeah, I think she's Toronto-based, but she's a Canadian uh, music video director who did that Joan Jett uh, biopic a few years ago that in the 90s, like, she was amongst the group of, like, people, I... I I gotta pronounce her name. Maybe you can look it up. I'll as, look it up as right now as, you, as I'm talking. But she was kind of a, with the group of people like Spike Jones and Michelle Gondry um, as one of these like innovative music video directors that sort of like you know defined '90s and early 2000s uh, music videos as an art form. Yeah, her name is uh, Floria Sigismondi. Yeah. Sigismondi, uh, I might be butchering that, but uh, she is from. Uh, she went to school at the Ontario College of Art. She's an Italian Canadian film director, screenwriter, music video director, artist, and photographer. Um, she did episodes of Hands Made Sale, American Gods, Daredevil, so she, Hemlock Grove, um, and then she did The Runaways, which you mentioned. And yeah, she's directed music videos dating back to the nineties. Uh, yeah, and, she, and again, like she was David right Bowie, with- Marilyn Manson. Uh, Cheryl Crow, Sarah McLaughlin. Uh, yeah, she was up there with again like David Fincher and Mark Romanak. And she directed like the that. fighter music video. Great, yeah. great music video. <laughs> I do enjoy that. Well, at the time I did when I was uh, fourteen. <laughs> um, Katy Perry. She's directed tons of music videos. Yeah, yeah. Dua Lipa recently. Well, do you Rihanna. Was, um, 
Justin Timberlake mirrors. I think it was Palm that released them, and they had like collections of music videos from quote unquote a tour filmmakers, and she was a part of those cool those sets. Cool. She just she just unfortunately never became like a like a, a filmmaker filmmaker right like in that that same breath as the Fitchers and what have you. She was never able to transition from the from the music video world the way that the other filmmakers were and I think probably part of it was because she was a female probably one of the lone female music video directors of the time and also like she's had other projects in the works but it just never came through and it was kind of unfortunate I mean I'm not the biggest fan of the Runaways but um, it was nice to see her like direct Michael Shannon in a really creepy weird performance yeah and it's interesting that I guess Spielberg was involved at the beginning wanting to direct it but now yeah, it's, well, it's, it's an Amblin, Amblin it's an Amblin yeah, movie and DreamWorks just gives me hope a little yeah. bit like um, not saying that DreamWorks and Amblin are, are don't make bad movies but I mean it's always interesting in that late January <laughs> early February we'll be talking some more about that yeah. with, with some of the trailers that we yeah. we have coming up or even that doc, that Doolittle Poster. Uh, poster which is ridiculous <laughs> yeah which is gonna that'll be interesting to see how that performs uh okay uh you have Haxon, scarface and twin peaks as well yeah so Haxon, uh criterion silent era uh witch movie that i think is actually on the criterion channel now but is getting a blu-ray upgrade um worth checking out scarface on 4k scarface, i mean what is there yeah. to say right uh the brian de palma version yes um, yeah and then what was the other one the big giant Twin Peaks collection. Oh yes, so the so big like, giant like, Twin Peaks collection, or is it called like the TV set or something like that? So now we're going to call it TV again. Yeah, we already had the complete uh, whatever that we bought, right? Yeah. And then they changed the name of that because obviously it wasn't complete. And now this also includes the new uh, Showtime series yeah. as well, right? Um, now I I don't know what's going on but there are rumors that are percolating that there's yeah. going to be more twin peaks mm-hmm. so. but who no one knows what it is though like all the actors keep uh instagramming like cryptic kind of things that involve twin peaks and 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 people was there was a source from a random ass website that said like some guy came into my shop today and told me that twin peaks is coming back and we're like <laughs> cool <laughs> he's like you didn't tell me not to tell anyone so i'm gonna tell everyone Oh my god. That's, such, that's like, such a Lynch kind of thing. Yeah. Like someone just walks in. It was in the room. David Lynch. He's like, guess what? I'm making more Twin Peaks. And like, uh, sir, do you want your coffee? <laughs> and you're like, all right. Yes. Um, yes, I do. I could see it being on CBS All Access, I guess. Yeah. Um, that would make the most sense to me. I, I actually don't think it, if I'm going to predict something, I do not think it'll be another series. I think it will be another film. And I think that film will uh, be on CBS All Access. But will it be a Twin Peaks movie or will it be a movie with characters from Twin Peaks? Sure. That fire walk with me. Yeah. Was it necessarily in the same tone as the series? Yeah. Because that, I mean, the, Twin Peaks fire walk with me is a perfect movie to watch this October because it's a horror film. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, what do you think? Yeah. If you were going to predict something of what it is, I, I think what you mentioned is a, is a really logical step. If you're going, I mean, the other thing is, I, I just th- don't think we're getting another 18 hours. Of no. Peaks, well, but. and also because I mean, again, going back to Robert Forrester, yeah. there's a lot of actors that have passed away a lot. Yeah. Since the new revival began. Right. And so like, how do you, 
reintegrate those characters that were either firmly established in the original series or brought mm-hmm. in to the new season. Like, Does yeah. it take place in that alternate timeline? Yeah, or? and there, you can do a lot with it, but does it necessarily have to be a continuation of you know uh the cooper laura palmer yeah, storyline it could just be something else in that yeah, universe it can have right? references to those things and you can bring you know uh the fireman back and things like that and 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 what have you but yeah i the scrotum I, tree <laughs> the arm yeah um but god damn it um but it, it, it weird ass have you rewatched the Showtime series since? I have I've, it on I've watched Blu-ray. a couple episodes. Yeah, I wanted to go to that Lightbox screening where they did the first, second, and eighth episode, yeah. but it got sold out really quickly. Uh, episode eight is so special. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know, but I what I do know is that anything that is directed or written by David Lynch, I'll take at this point. A hundred percent. All right, moving on to talking trailers. Um, I, my Trenta coffee's creeping up on me. I might have to leave in a sec to go to the bathroom. Um, <laughs> Shit break? Uh, no, not that. Just uh, it's so much liquid. I got right. a thirty ounce fucking coffee. Um, uh, let's go into Jungle Cruise first. So the the trailer dropped the other the other day. Uh, this is based on the Disney World and Disneyland ride. I don't know if it's in both parks, but right. um, if you guys have been on this ride starring Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt, um, uh, if you've been on this ride at Disney World, do you I think know, they went on the ride? Uh, yeah, I mean they they would have had to. I think um, it's a very corny uh, kind of jungle well, uh, cruise. <laughs> Where you have it, – it, it's filled with puns. Did you go on this when you went to Disneyland? No. Or no? I don't know if it's in Disneyland. I know it's in Disney World. I don't think but, it's in Disneyland. Okay. So it's a, you go on this cruise and usually your captain is a uh, – is you go through this very corny animatronic kind of you know animals pop up and things like that. And, and your, your captain always makes very – uh, lame puns throughout the it's whole thing. Me. Yeah, That's it's Eric, <laughs> uh, Eric the Jungle Cruise captain, and so it's it, it, obviously this is taking on that uh, Pirates of the Caribbean kind of thing of taking haunted a, mansion. Yeah, taking a Disney ride and turning it into a film, and and I thought it was interesting that they took elements from that ride and incorporated them, like like The Rock runs a corny fake kind of jungle cruise right but then he gets caught up in in this stuff with emily blunt's character um that ends up having to go on this real adventure right and it seems like there's some mystical elements to it and things like that yeah it's essentially what i got from the trailer it's a combination of as you said pirates of the caribbean with a little bit of the african queen with yeah. humphrey bogart and Catherine hepburn where you have um this person hiring uh, a captain to take them on their quest or adventure to find you know the lost city or the the hidden treasure or the artifact that they're looking for um and i mean i like both of the leads uh um i like the director uh jean-michelet sarah yeah yeah um who I mean usually seems to get a pass. He's from a, a film lot of Twitter people. darling. Yeah, um, but he's good. I mean, like I, I liked um, Nonstop, and and The Shallows is a better uh, one location horror film than it than it gets credit for. Um, but this trailer just looks really generic. What yeah. I'm hoping it'll end up being, at the very least, because I've heard like 
uh, Paul Giamatti did an interview for for Billions recently, and he was talking about working on the film, and he said it was really weird. So what I'm hoping that this will end up being is basically like Gore Verbinski's The Lone Ranger, where it's it's Disney's very good at marketing to their audience, right? So as it might wide be, as possible. So as it might be a little possible. bit weirder than we're expecting. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I I don't think they're going to be upfront with like, oh yeah, Tom Wilkinson doesn't have a penis in <laughs> in, in Lone Ranger. <laughs> yeah, the, God, we we defend we're Lone Ranger defenders here, but um, apologists, I guess yeah. I should say, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Where I I texted you after, and I'm like, I I I I do think that it's interesting to kind of you know if people are familiar with the Disney ride that they incorporate incorporated that into the movie. I think that's kind of clever, but um, but it's also them looking for that kind of next tentpole. Yeah, because I I feel like they really have worn out. Well, they they can't really do the pirate movies anymore. Let's just be honest. Well, yeah, I I think eventually you'll get those again, but with right, different but actors. Without but Johnny Depp. Yeah. Uh, but but I remember like even with when Pirates became that huge hit, they tried to make Haunted Mansion work with Eddie Murphy, yeah. and that didn't work. So yeah. like, and I mean Tomorrowland yeah. didn't quite work. So. Um, it's interesting taking these elements and ironically, we are going to be talking about movies as theme park rides right. uh, in a little bit. This is so now we're looking at theme park rides as movies. So, um, it's, you get Scorsese's comments on that. Yeah. What do you think about Jungle Cruise, bruh? <laughs> like, uh, Martin Scorsese's, uh, uh Space Mountain. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, so yeah, I don't know. These Disney rides turned into movies. I think they're, they're grasping, uh, here. Like I just... This does look like that B or C tier Disney, like maybe not quite. But with the on budget the level. of still a hundred yeah, plus fucking, million dollars. Yeah, I know. So it does feel like um what's that one that they delayed till next year that we keep forgetting about that they buried the Disney movie that we made fun Hotel of. Hotel Artemis? Was, no. No, not Hotel uh, Artemis. Uh, Artemis Fowl? Uh, Artemis Fowl. Like Hotel maybe Artemis. that's like C tier where this feels like maybe B tier. Right. Right? Where it's not quite on the level of obviously like uh, their top tier Disney movies. But I, you know, I, well, know I, I have it. a conspiracy theory with Artemis Fowl that they just moved it off the schedule because they wanted all hits. Sure. And that would have been this the one year. that is like – you know, the wrinkle in time kind of thing where it's like yeah. it didn't make the money or or even Pete's Dragon where it's like the one film that's kind of like the bomb. But like every film that Disney's released this year has been made a, a billion hit. dollars. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, but this looks like something that could go either way. So I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. And the July release is interesting as well, because usually a movie like this gets released at the end of May mm-hmm. or mid May, right? Like it's like the summer starts with this kind of movie, but I guess that'll be the new fast movie when that comes out. Like this is teetering on no offense to the rock and Emily Blunt, but like teetering on Disney plus territory for me. Yeah. I like, would agree. uh, like if this would have ended up on Disney Plus, I wouldn't have been surprised. Um, I wouldn't have either. I mean, I would have been surprised just because of of them the Rock, being maybe, in it. Yeah, but I, in terms of like watching that trailer, and if if Disney Plus came up at the end or the beginning, mm-hmm. I've been like, yeah, okay, right. That's what I mean. Like it, it could go either way. So I don't know. I'll, I'll withhold judgment, and I mean, I'll obviously see it and i like both the rock and emily blunt a lot so and if it um, is as weird as paul giamatti was saying maybe we will get a i hope so <laughs> lone ranger which is something like lone ranger is not a perfect movie but it kind of took you by surprise with how yeah. offbeat it was yeah and thinking back on it now maybe johnny depp playing <laughs> well i mean he, I, a... there was this whole article about like he could get away with it because yeah. he was one eighth sure cherokee or something. sure <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right. Go into Richard Jewell a little bit. I got to 
go on. Oh, God. I'll be right back. Just describe <laughs> Matt's got to deliver his own Richard Jewell <laughs> if you get my drift. <laughs> okay, so uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, prolific uh, filmmaker uh, who's about to turn uh, 90 next year, uh, has already finished uh, shooting a movie that is coming out uh, at the end of the year called Richard Jewell, which is based on uh, a real-life incident in Atlanta about a security guard who was able to um, get as many people away from uh, a bombing that took place in um, 96. And so if you if you don't know about uh, the production already, it was shot um, earlier this year, and... Now it is coming out in December, and there are not a lot of movies that do that, other with maybe the exception of, of Hustlers, which was also shot uh, in the spring, summer, uh, released theatrically in September, and then is coming to 4K uh, in in uh, December, I believe. So um, Richard Jewell is, you know, Clint Eastwood making a movie as quickly and as uh, efficiently as possible in one to two takes per scene. Yeah. Um, and it's his rant against, I guess, the media. Yeah, it looks like that. Um, I don't I, know. I, I was saying before, yeah. as, you were, as you were dropping off your own jewel, um, that the there are not many movies that, you know, shoot, get released, and then come out on, you know, Blu-ray or 4K in the same year. The only other thing was Hustlers, yeah. which Hustlers was shot in um, – the the spring like this april year. or may yeah. right and, yeah and and this didn't go into shooting until the summer yeah god bless him <laughs> we were making fun of him as we were getting coffee today i'm just being like clint you think you need one more on that i mean they they, they fumbled some of the words ah it's fine <laughs> clint are you just are you just using b-roll from our behind the scenes <laughs> yeah. shoot for for the film yeah. yeah it's the quickest way to get to the next scene it's just i don't know i think it looks uh fine um well it's playing afi it was yeah. announced that i mean Which that's I, not surprising as well I mean, but what is surprise okay so the, the, last the baby time, from American Sniper is all grown up now and yeah. he's playing Richard Jewell. <laughs> you, you joke. But the last movie of his to play AFI was American Sniper. Was American Sniper became a huge Oscar contender. So... I could see this being conventional enough that it could... Um, yeah, it could It could play to the steak and potato yeah. uh, academy members, meaning the conservative types. Yeah, right? the straight, white, old dudes. Yeah, because yeah. there's really none of those movies for them this year, thinking about it. Yeah, is there one this year that... We'll, we'll talk Oscar stuff I mean, I guess soon, The but... Irishman comes close, but like this does truly feel like... It was made for a certain type of conservative voting member. Again, like Olivia Wilde saying, like, I report on the facts. And, like, you know, yeah. like them going, saying, like, you're going to ruin this man's life. Now, the story. Falsely ac- accusing a straight white man. <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, in the movie's yes. defense and in yeah. the, the true story's defense, Richard Jewell was accused of yeah, these totally, things. Yeah. His name was tarnished. Um, he was somewhat able to have a life afterwards and became a police officer but had a heart attack soon afterwards yeah. because of all the stress and pressure did he die or yeah yeah so you know yeah uh i don't know i i yeah it looks conventional and I, it's a shame uh, because there was a point where paul greengrass was going to direct this and eastwood was was always attached to it from some point he left it and then came back but it was going to be jonah hill and uh, leonardo dicaprio that would have been cool 
Um, but I like uh, what's his name from uh, uh, I Tanya. Oh, uh, uh, Patrick uh, Hauser. Yeah, it's cool getting. Yeah, cool seeing him get like a lead role. Yeah, I'm curious yeah. to see what how he'll do. And with Sam that. Rockwell's in it as well. Yeah. John Hamm is hamming it up. Love it. Kathy Bates. Uh, yeah. Uh, moving on to uh, Guy Ritchie's back on his bullshit, man. Uh, the Gentleman trailer. I mean, so. was he ever really off it? Yeah, I guess that's true. Fair point. Fair point. I mean, Aladdin, yes, is watered down, but it's still Guy Ritchie, a white guy directing. But, I mean, I would say, like, I I really liked Man from Uncle. That's fine. Um, I mean, that's the sequel he should be making. Yes, I agree. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It looks like a Guy Ritchie movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, a bunch of... Being released at the end of January. A bunch of guys that you can barely understand. Well, yeah, it looks like Snatch. Yeah. I mean, essentially, it is kind of a similar plot to Snatch, where you have, like... The American British group kind of fighting each other. McConaughey being the central figure here. Colin Farrell. Um, I don't know. I don't really have anything to say. No, neither do I. I just. I mean, it came out, so I thought we'd talk about it. But right. it looks like a Guy Ritchie ass movie. If you like those movies, then you'll probably want to see this. I don't know. Like I, I I've watched the trailer a couple times, and I, again, he's someone that I you'd think I would like, but I just cannot stand him i know um and i and i understand now like what like to me like the people that can't stand tarantino yeah this is like how like how i feel with right. guy Ritchie or the same kind of animosity where it's like mm-hmm. his stuff kind of grates on me more than it should where like i still say that the best guy Ritchie movie is layer cake which was directed by matthew vaughn sure who's his second unit in both Lockstock yeah and uh snatch yeah, I uh, have literally no interest in this. Will we end up seeing it? Probably, but yeah, because um, we do it for you. Yeah, and who knows? I, again, I went into Man with uh, Man from Uncle with the same kind of perception, right? And it, it surprised me. So um, I hope he can do that again. Uh, I don't know if he can, um, other than if he made a sequel to that movie, right? <laughs> which we probably will never get. And then you mentioned the turning earlier, which I haven't uh, been able to watch the trailer for. Um, so uh, maybe we'll talk about that next week. All right, moving on to the news. Um, I don't even know what this first story is that I um, did. Uh, Russell Crowe starring in a new horror movie about horror movies. Do you know anything about this? Yeah, I mean, I I read Miramax. I read uh, the log line. Oh, the gentleman uh, in the U.S. is a is a Miramax movie, and uh, Guy Ritchie was just announced to be working with um, Jason Statham again. Right. Too much Guy Guy Ritchie news there, but. it does look like it's written by Kevin Williamson, who wrote the Scream, Scream movies. So, I, I mean, I like the Scream movies, but I like so, the I like the second one. So he's still playing in that meta nature, I guess. Right. Of talking about well, from movies. what I read as well, it's almost like he's playing a horror movie actor um, who doesn't know whether or not it's his own, um, you know, alcoholism or drug addiction, or if there is something that's going on in this new set that he's working on or new production that he's working on and um to me it almost sounded like he's playing like a vincent price type character Mm -hmm. um so it looks like williamson's producing it and it's being directed by uh a duo who is joshua john miller and ma fortin who wrote and are going to direct it um they also wrote the other meta horror movie the final girls which was okay. Um, which was fun, but I wish it was R rated. I remember it being PG, and I saw it at Midnight Madness, and I had uh, I had fun with it. Yeah, but and okay. I, I'm sure this will be kind of 
Uh, it, so- it sounds a little bit darker, in, uh, but yeah. it's still playing in that meta nature of horror movies. And I mean, uh, seeing Russell Crowe in uh, uh, the history of the Kelly Gang was uh, – uh, <laughs> he's amazing in that. So I mean, <laughs> He's I'll, a lot of fun. I'll, I mean, he's always, he's always good. Yeah. He's one of those guys that like – I think when he started to kind of be a Hollywood fixture for a little bit after Gladiator, I think like maybe – I don't want to say he overstayed his welcome because I've always actually liked Russell Crowe. But like I feel like people kind of like tired of him really quickly, especially with like his kind of um, anger issues with the phone. Like like he became kind of a joke with like that phone incident. You remember that where like he threw a phone – yeah. At a guy at a hotel because he couldn't talk to his wife and Some kids. Some anger and, issues and stuff, Yeah, right? and now he's kind of become an interesting character actor in the vein of, like, an Oliver Reed. And, like, seeing, like, his, like he's so good in The Nice Guys. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, you mentioned uh, uh, Kelly, Kelly Gang. Gang. And, like, even something that's not a good movie, but, like, uh, The Man with the Iron Fist, uh, the Rizzo movie, which is not very good, but he is a lot of fun as this kind of like portly, uh, Australian, uh, um, mixed martial arts fighter guy. And this this is ridiculous. Yeah. I just like seeing him portly now. (laughs) It's great. It's weird because watching, um, uh, the King, Joel Edgerton looks like Russell Crowe because he put on a lot of weight for the role. Nice. And yeah. And also he's Australian, but I mean, he's got a British trying a british accent but they just look very similar yeah that's funny um curious about that but we'll see uh this one's uh, staying on topic with like streaming services and things like that it looks like sony might be offloading some of its kind of more risky projects to streaming services now when you so, say risky do you mean well, actually risky or do you mean just movies mean that are just that like, might not do well at the box office yeah or, or, like, or critically right yeah so uh, it, the the one that they bring up here is He Man and the Masters of the Universe, which is uh, I guess he doesn't have the power. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> which uh, Noah uh, Centino, uh, f- who actually is tied into a lot of streaming stuff, right? Right. He's and, in um, um, uh, All the Boys I've Loved Before. Right. And, but and, he, oh, speaking of Sony, though, he's in the new Charlie's Angels film. Oh, is he? Yeah. Nice. He's one of the chemists or something. Right. Which there was a new trailer for that. I don't know if you saw it, but it's actually worse. Is it? Okay. I, I don't – I've been trying to avoid second trailers if that makes sense, which is why we haven't really been covering them on the show. Like, right. I, I'm down to see the first look at a movie now, but I'm trying – like I really enjoyed at TIFF when we saw a lot of films without seeing a trailer at all. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of our, our uh, friends and colleagues in the in the industry uh, don't watch movie trailers. Mike Muntz, our friend, uh, I know uh, Norm Wilner does this as well. Um, and I, I applaud those people because I'm a sucker for movie trailers. That they that have the willpower? Uh, that they have the willpower to just not see anything. And I think that probably well, they is all the, still saw Gemini Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, they didn't know what to expect, though. <laughs> so... Um, Anyways, it, it, it'll be interesting to see because Sony doesn't look like they're going to be doing their own streaming service. So um, so they'll be doing exactly what Universal has been doing and even Paramount because like, yeah. Paramount dropped off uh, the Cloverfield Paradox. But Universal did that with Extinction. Yeah, and, there was something else as well. Um, Paramount sold off the horror movie Eli. I'm, I'm on the Collider article right now to give them credit for these details. But um, yeah, and... Which is a shame because there could be actually something that's interesting or, as you as you said again, risky 
um, that is kind of just thrown off to the side and thrown off to a, a streaming service instead of actually being released uh, theatrically. But it also will be interesting to see if this becomes kind of a, a, a mainstream kind of thing for a studio, uh, a theatrical studio, because, you know, what will happen to a lot of these January and February releases or even, you know, like uh, late August, early September releases where a studio looks at this and says, like, yeah, I don't want to, we don't want to spend uh, marketing dollars on this thing or, you know, uh, promotion on it. So why not just dump it on Netflix and cut our losses and get them to pay us you know, a certain amount up front and, you know, we can move on to the next thing that actually might be either an event film or something that has a named director on it. Yeah. And I think this is something we've been uh, hypothesizing for a while is that now that the, the bottom's fallen out essentially in cinema, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that, um, sort of with the Martin Scorsese thing, but, um, there's no real middle ground anymore, right? Those middle ground movies don't really make any money. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of those end up on streaming services, whether they're owned by the company that uh, that is putting them out or they're sold to a Netflix or an Amazon. Or I mean, Amazon and Netflix produce their own movies, but they're still looking for that type of content. So if a Sony or... I mean, Universal is launching their own streaming service with the NBC kind of one, I think, that's coming out. Um, but... It, it'll be interesting. I think you're going to see a lot of indies and mid-tier stuff go to streaming services, and then you're going to see just only blockbusters and cinemas, right? Yeah, so. which is, again, I think a, a, a shame because I think there should be room for the mid-tier movie, you yeah. know, to play theatrically. And, and, like, not everything is going to, you know, look like a winner on paper, right? And that's why you need to take those risks. And, like, sometimes the studio... Um, you know, not always, but will have a success based on taking those risks. And if you, you know, don't value those options or those decisions, then you're just you're 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 cutting out a whole section of film that people there are people that want to see those movies or make a nice kind of um, sort of uh, anti-programming or what have you counter-programming counter, counter yeah. to um, to the bigger movies. And I think there just needs to be a balance. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I do really think that we're. Uh, I saw someone else kind of um, echo my thought on Twitter of being like, I think you're going to see a transition to single house theaters, which is, I think, with the Netflix news of the Irishman going on Broadway. Um, <laughs> the Irishman on Broadway. Yeah, it's like, I think you're going to see the return of um, these single single house uh, cinemas, and, and you're going to see big gigantic movies play there because that's the only things that people want to actually leave their homes to go see right uh and you'll see some indie stuff i think for the hardcore kind of cinephiles that want to go see these things right well you'll have the art house theaters still around yeah um they'll be kicking and they'll be releasing the kind of again like these when you look at the a24s and the neons and the focus features and the fox searchlights they're not necessarily mid-tier. I'd say they're maybe a little lower than that. Like a lot of them are indie-based. Maybe Fox Searchlight not anymore because they're under the Disney umbrella. Even though you can still say like, oh, well, you know, they're still doing their own thing. But yeah, that's fair. But they still are a part of Disney yeah. now, right? Like they, they still – I mean look what happened with 
uh, a hidden life this year where, you know, it was bought at the Cannes Film Festival for over $11 million. And then it rose the marketplace up for every other distributor to pay for other movies that they wanted. So they're, they are affecting the way that movies are bought. Yeah, I know. And not, not everyone can afford Disney money, right? So now that Disney's playing with the indie <laughs> sphere too, right? Having a, uh, a studio like Searchlight, um, but they're paying top dollar for those movies, uh, is is making it difficult, I think, for everyone. So it's um, yeah, it's an interesting. I know we we seem repetitive because we bring this up all the but time, but it's changing. But, like like right yeah. now, we are in 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 a true transition transition, kind of, yeah. and and not only that, like it's 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 a significant one. Yeah. Like huge. this isn't just like, Oh, okay. We're, we're adapting to a new format or a new piece of technology that can be implemented in the theatrical experience. This is a period where the way in which we watch movies, where we watch movies and how we watch movies are all changing at once. Fundamentally changing. Yeah. So Everyone needs to get their shit together and figure out what the best way of releasing all this stuff is. And and it's going to be fascinating whether Netflix decides to open up single, like maybe buy older theaters. Well, they theaters talked about like, that. Buy, like they tried to actually buy a theater in L.A. recently mm-hmm. and they, they didn't have any luck. But yeah, like they, they – none of their movies will play at you know an AMC theater, which is going to be really interesting because AMC usually – um, not always, but I, I think they do more so in the U.S. than they do in Canada. Will play all the best picture nominees, yeah. and and I think actually this came up last year with Roma because yeah. Roma couldn't be included. Yeah. And this year you have a number of Netflix it could be films, three of them, right? competing like, for best picture. So what happens then? If Marriage Story makes it in, if Irishman makes it in, and uh, I think those are the two big ones. Those are the two big ones, but there were some, there, but there's, there's some acting else. category yeah. stuff as well, like Eddie Murphy and Dolomite. Yeah. Uh, you know what happens with Uncut Gems? Even like, right. yeah, it's playing theatrically in the U.S. with A twenty four, but internationally, it's being released on 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 Netflix. Yeah, where do you draw the line, right? Yeah. Because obviously, like Cineplex drew the line during TIFF, even with something like Uncut Gems. But what does the U.S. marketplace do? And I mean, we're seeing. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's 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 fascinating. It'll be interesting to see like what the outcome is and where we ultimately land because. Where we're going, obviously, it's still a work in progress, and they're trying to figure things out and how how it's going to go. But like once we get to the other side, and once we eventually land in a place where you know things have settled, what is that going to look like? And, and this, that is interesting. And I, I, it is super interesting. And I have this idea for this either YouTube series or or documentary movie that I want to make, and and I want to make uh, with me and you and and, and some people because it would be kind of like an interview series and I, I don't want to go too into detail on this because I want to save it in case we actually make it. But, or at least just get a patent um, on it first. Yeah, it's just I, this concept of cinema is dead or is cinema dead is like what I would title this movie. Um, and I just, I'm fascinated with that concept of where we came from, where we are now and where we will go in the future, right? And with streaming services and video rental places that came and went and uh, uh, multiplexes popping up, but they started as single house theaters and, and road shows. And um, I would love to talk to people like Ellis Jacob at Cineplex or 
someone high up at Netflix, whether it's Reed Hastings or or someone like that, and uh, or talk to the former head of Blockbuster or even independent people in Toronto, whether you're talking to uh, Cameron Bailey at TIFF or um, talking to the people who run um, uh, uh, Bay Video, is it? No, yeah, uh, yeah Bay Video and, and places like that. Like, I think you could do a really in- interesting. It could either be a podcast series, it could be a uh, YouTube video documentary series, it could be just a feature length documentary. But I think that's like something really interesting for like me and you to kind of explore a little bit because I think we are really passionate and interested in that topic of like how do you consume movies, right? Like what do people really want and where is it going and, and what needs to change or, or, or whether it's presentation, like I'd love to sit down with, um, whether it's Tim league or someone else. Um, but you bring up things like not only what's happening in, in projection and, and, uh, whether uh, talking to someone like Ang Lee, which you interviewed this week, yeah. like he'd be someone I, and James Cameron, I know we might not be able to get access to James Cameron, but like maybe Ang Lee, but, um, but talking to these guys and, and you could do an episode each on innovations in, in filmmaking, whether it's high frame rate or 3d or, or, or something like that. You could do an episode just on, uh, multiplexes, right. Where you talk to Ellis Jacob and, and, and someone maybe from AMC or, or maybe a Tim league, but then also bring up things and, and don't give people a pass of whether all the Devin Faraci stuff and, and, and talk about that kind of shit. And don't just like put people on, like make them talk about difficult things, but also yeah, really well, interesting. I, like, I think you're also, when you mentioned yeah. the Devin Faraci thing, you're, you're mentioning how like Tim Lee like, yeah. kind of covered up for him. And now Tim League is also helping to run not only his, uh, the draft house cinemas, but Neon. also Neon. Yeah. So. so I'm like, I'd love to talk about all of that stuff with those people and, and just see or where the A24 industry. people like, yeah. look at like, you know, Blah, that or, was or an Criterion episode. as well. Like that, that, I had them on my list. Of people like look at to. like physical, media how physical versus... media, but like independent distribution and how like, or even like how film critics sort of gravitate to certain, studios or not, not just the film like the, it's almost like you're getting yeah. people that are becoming advocates or spokespeople for the brand the brand name than the the film itself yeah so it's definitely something i want to explore more with you in the future maybe into 2019 because now that I, I i love the idea of iphone filmmaking too like talking to steven uh soderberg or something like that and uh, or sean baker or, or sean baker like or um sean baker would actually i think be down to actually talk yeah and i think he, i don't know if he lives in vancouver but he seems to always be there be there yeah he tweeted about joker right yeah because uh, he well he was at the vancouver film festival too so. cool yeah i would love that yeah he'd be a guy that i would love to talk about iphone cinematography and i want to shoot these films that i want to make on and that's one reason why i got this new iphone is like i feel like you can get an interesting lens for it and, and just shoot these things on the fly and and um uh, so that's something that I want to explore in 2019 and, and, and whether it's YouTube or feature length, it could be really cool. Cause like, this is a topic that I think we regularly talk about that I think could be fascinating in, in, uh, well, we are series. documenting it now, even just doing this because yeah. like, well, this, this part of the podcast you could use in the documentary. Right. right? And, and it's, I think it's important to continue to talk about it because it is happening now. And we are again, documenting, our thoughts on what is going on right now. And then like, you know, once, whenever we feel or whenever the, the time has 
changed enough, we can go back and look at see this or look at it as a time capsule and then say like, okay, well, this is when we kind of like pinpointed when it was kind of truly in transition. Mm -hmm. Crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, We can fly through some of these other ones. Uh, Matrix 4 adds Aquaman uh, star. Oh, God, I'm going to butcher your name. I'm sorry. Yaya... Uh, Abdul Mateen, uh, who the played second. the second, sorry, who played uh, Black Mantis in right? Aquaman. In yeah. Aquaman, he was also the uh, police officer in the Baywatch movie. Was he? And okay. he was the dad at the beginning of Us. Okay, cool. Uh, oh, he's also in the new Candyman uh, sequel coming. Okay, out. blowing up. Uh, Matrix Four is a weird one that like. I'm just waiting to see uh, kind of how this plays well, out. Well, when but... Jessica Kroll posted the incoming for this and it's like, yeah. this is a big one. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, to so we're going to hear is, like yeah. Batman news or something like that. Yeah. And then when you hear like, oh, he's uh... – Might be playing young Morpheus. but like, Or just, just Matrix 4 news yeah. in general. Like <laughs> I, I don't know. I – it's hard to muster up any yeah. energy for it. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I don't know. Especially we'll because of those two Matrix sequels. Yeah. Do you think they'll do the thing where they like only make it a sequel f- from the first movie or Maybe or they'll do what they did with like even the Animatrix where it takes place in the world and it not yeah. like but but it but they've already announced that 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 uh Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves are coming back, so there is a more direct connection. Continuity, yeah. But so. then again, maybe maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe they're like kind of sentient beings now or something in the matrix like yeah or something like yeah that. but i remember with the animatrix it was kind of interesting i didn't love the animation styles necessarily but it was interesting that you had stories take place within the matrix that weren't necessarily just directly connected to neo and you know the revolution mm-hmm. but will there be pod music click click boom is that pod yeah because they did um, um a lot of their music was featured in the first movie and then they did songs for uh revolutions and reloaded yeah um more apple tv plus news uh they they purchased uh that christmas carol movie we talked about last week uh with With ryan reynolds and will ferrell yeah it's a musical um uh gonna be directed by the daddy's home guys sean anders and john morris oh i interviewed sean anders that's kind of nice cool for uh instant family Oh right, yes. They did he make that by himself or with both of them? Uh, So the Hollywood Reporter broke the news, um, and Variety uh, reported a bit more on it. Um, Reynolds is making thirty-five million for this, and Farrell is making uh, over thirty million. Uh, Got that sweet Apple money. Yeah, I guess Netflix was also in the running. So this was a streaming movie basically right from the start. Well, Reynolds um, right now is on a stream and roll with, with this and uh, Six Underground for Netflix. Yeah, and then they said Anders and Morris are getting 10 and $15 million each for this. So that's just for uh, just for the talent involved in this. Right. And that's not even the budget for the movie. But maybe that's I – mean, I mean like – Quality aside, and the uh, I mean, do we need another Christmas Carol remake? Because I think even Bennett Miller was working on one, yeah, not too long ago. Um, 
but I kind of do appreciate that the the filmmakers are getting paid a little more, it seems, because like that's the one thing that we do kind of take for granted when we, you know, hear that a filmmaker is working on something that they it, just because they're working on a big movie doesn't necessarily they get paid the same kind of money that a, you know, a Will Ferrell or Ryan Reynolds would. It's yeah. I mean, I always think about what James Gray talked about where like he was, you know, scraping to get by and living in an apartment and just because he's worked with people like brad pitt and 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 joaquin phoenix doesn't, doesn't mean that he's making, making that millions money. of dollars yeah. right for small movies like he was making right? yeah. you're not making that kind of money but now with big streaming services like that can fork out big bucks for this kind of stuff like who no one would have thought that these guys would get 10 15 million dollar paydays on a movie right yeah but for this and like i'm reading more about it like i wouldn't resent someone like james gray selling out to, to make do, that yeah. money so then i'm sure he got a good paycheck for when fox i hope signed so him for a, a, but Astro, that was pre-disney but, still right? yeah i know but so. fox still would have forked up good money for that i think but um and then i guess they also in their contract um they got the rights to the original music for the film and also did the same thing Tarantino did with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is saying that they get the rights back to the film after 20, 25 years. Oh, okay. Um, which Tarantino got for Once Upon a Time. I thought you were going to say they got the music from the Muppets version. Yeah, I love the Muppets Christmas Carol, man. <laughs> That's a classic. Uh, so anyways, uh, interesting. I, I It's always obscene to me when streaming services pay this much money without even forking up a budget for the movie but that's what they're like, doing now because the they're ROI, buying the like, roi on that the, well the intellectual property that they're buying are yeah. the people and not yeah. so and they're also taking those people off the board from other streaming services sure, right so it's the same thing with uh benioff and um, weiss, yeah. weiss with with game of thrones they weren't investing in thinking like oh we're we're yeah, we're we're gonna buy whatever IP they come up with next, or whatever original projects they they're working on. We're buying them as well. It's strategic. We're buying them because they've yeah. come off this huge right? thing, and we don't want Apple Plus or we don't want Disney to take yeah. them. JJ Abrams just did it. Yeah, uh, you see Ryan Murphy. So um, these studios now are buying people and not just product. <laughs> just and it's a str- it's more strategic yeah. than just are we gonna make. Our money back off this movie it's are we going to take money away from, from the other, other companies, companies and make yeah. sure that these people don't make something that's big for them it reminds me a little bit with with marriage story remember the the scene where adam driver goes to the one lawyer and the the son's like well we've already been i've already been to this place i remember this fish tank before and like the whole yeah. thing is like they're playing dirty because if you go if 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 a spouse goes to a lawyer even for a consultation they can't the 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 other spouse the other the significant other can't use that lawyer cuz so they a strategically goes to a bunch of lawyers so that so other can. person will have a harder time finding a lawyer and that's kind of what it reminds me of a little bit where they're you know these studios are going to all these overpaying for these showrunners and and filmmakers and movie stars and overpaying to get them off of the board yeah. and so it's like you can't use these people now because we have them or we have them for this specific thing like alfonso cron um apple plus bought him for anything television wise that he'll develop but it doesn't specify film so maybe he can still go and make a movie for netflix but anything tv wise he'll have to only it's like a first look deal yeah yeah so they can ultimately pass on something which uh they can go somewhere else but 
um, yeah, I mean, we're seeing this more and more and it's, again, it's these streaming wars, which are like a legitimate, like crazy thing that's happening. Oh, so. we haven't really seen it play out yet either because yeah, yeah there have been smaller niche streaming services amazon that netflix criterion yeah. channel i don't even count the criterions and the shutters and but that's what like i mean that, they're niche but, right yeah. they're, they're, they're like they're there they are legitimate streaming services but they were they were never going to compete with netflix or amazon yeah. or amazon but now you have apple plus and disney plus yeah, launching at the exact same time both all competing and two of the richest companies in yeah. the world so. so this is actually going to like netflix is going to actually have to put more of an effort into <laughs> yeah. it now even more so than they were before because they have they actually have somebody to compete against yeah and competition's good so i can't wait to see what comes yeah it, out of it, it, so. uh, it hopefully will up the game of content or like the thing i really do hope with as well is that netflix just doesn't dump a lot of stuff like they actually try to promote it a little bit better because that's the one thing that I find that they don't do is like they'll buy stuff up or they'll they'll have filmmakers work in in their system but when the time that it comes to distribution it just like pops up the week of and there's not much um, fanfare fanfare yeah. or promotion beforehand yeah, I mean, you're starting to see more commercials and things like that on television, but there's that big news piece where the, the wars have begun because Disney is like, we're not allowing Netflix to market or uh, do any marketing on our any of our networks or, or things now, which I think is crazy. And they can already not uh, market in movie theaters, right? Well, which well, is, and that's also like, interesting, again, because a- ABC does the oscars. the oscars so how yeah. does that work well they can't market anything but they're allowed i guess to participate because the if they oscars, get nominated they, they get nominated yeah right? which they can't help like that's a separate thing Can you imagine just they censor or bleep out the names of the movies of netflix <laughs> no, films yeah that would not go over well but uh it's crazy man uh sticking with uh disney um uh, the Little Mermaid uh, remake uh, has cast David Diggs as Sebastian. So we have a Hamilton um, reunion here we do. with uh, Lin Manuel Miranda and and him. Um, I... It's hard to muster up any energy. Yeah, right? I yeah. mean, I could see. I like David even... Diggs, but like... I, I do too. I mean, he was really good in Blind Spotting and 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 um, even uh, that Jacob Trombley movie. Uh, Wonder. Uh, he's actually in the in the TNT series of uh, Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Um, I just don't care about another Disney remake. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, does this end up on Disney Plus or does this go theatrical? I think this will be theatrical. Uh, so do I. Unless it is a, like a true disaster. Little Mermaid is a big enough movie. Yeah, and um, and again, me, when sorry. you have Rob Marshall, Lin Manuel Miranda, and the people that you are assembling, it does feel like a bigger movie. And nothing against like Tessa Thompson and and Justin Thoreau, but like. They're not big enough names, and even though Lady and the Tramp is an iconic or memorable Disney movie, it doesn't have the same weight that it used to. I agree, yeah. I agree completely with that. So I don't have much to say about this because, I mean, the track record for these Disney remakes of that, like, they're not horrible. They just seem kind of pointless, right? Yeah, so, yeah, they're all pointless. Uh, yeah. Except Pete's Dragon. Yeah. Fair. Although, again, we, we've said it before, Maleficent isn't good, but at least that wasn't just a direct Sleeping Beauty ripoff. And I kind of almost wish that there was a good version or style of that where they'd say like, okay, yeah, let's take Little Mermaid, but do something different different with it or, or have a new perspective on it. But you know it'll just be the same movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. 
Um, this is a weird one. Uh, Len Wiseman to direct female-centric John Wick spinoff, Ballerina. What a perfect person to uh, direct a female-centric John Wick movie. Uh, it's like Underworld, but instead of vampires, ballerinas. Russian ballerina hit woman. Um, women. Uh, Len Wiseman is kind of a hack. Um, he makes Michael Bay straight look up. great. Yeah. I mean, he kind of is a Michael Bay, Tony Scott wannabe. So. Mm-hmm. Literally don't have anything to say other than why didn't you hire a woman for this? Not right. saying that only women can direct movies about women or vice versa. But, like, but it would have been nice to see a female perspective yeah. in the John Wick yes. or the Wick universe. Exactly. And like Len Wiseman, I don't, I don't know. I just wanted to see, say I that. See, I almost wish like someone like – like again because you know, like a lot of the people that worked on the Wick movies – are of you know uh have worked on the matrix films mm-hmm. not just keanu but like the mm-hmm. behind the scenes people i almost wish someone like lana wachowski would come in and do, do that. something like yeah. that instead yeah um but uh we're getting len wiseman uh, so it's gonna be this, generic so. and just and boring yeah <laughs> i can't wait for the sequel to this that it'll be uh uh john moore do you remember <sighs> no <laughs> max Payne, and he also did the oh, sequel Jesus to Christ. uh yeah uh, live free or die hard. A good day to die hard. Did he do Max Payne, Len Wiseman? No, 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 no. John Moore. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyways, Len Wiseman sucks, man. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, let's go in. Remember Total Recall? No, I don't remember it. I do. He was remember, married to I Kate did, Beckinsale. I know. I'm very jealous of that part. Um. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but anyways, um. Before we get into Scorsese, uh, let's do uh, this. The Suicide Squad photo? No, we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> so stupid. I mean, I'm, I am. Did, did you read who Nathan Fillion is playing? No. So he's playing like removable arm boy or something Sick. like that? I mean, I, I, I'll hold out hope because of James Gunn. All right. Um, I mean, we'll be getting into a conversation about all of that soon anyway. Yeah, so let's do this Bong Joon-ho one, and then we'll get into that. Another so, Bong hit? Uh, yeah, Bong Joon-ho, uh, he's doing his, obviously, the rounds for Parasite, which you guys should absolutely go see if you're in New York or L.A. right now. It's I think sold out, so the weekend. whole weekend at, <laughs> yeah. at the IFC Theater in New York, yeah. it's, it's sold out, and... That is just a beautiful thing. It is. And then uh, – but do go check it out this week if you can. Um, and then next week I believe it's opening to some more cities. Yes. In, in Toronto, it's opening at Varsity. And then the last week of October, it opens at the Lightbox. Yes. So I would say just – I know you probably don't want to wait, but go see it at the Lightbox And if anybody if from Mondo is listening to this, can <laughs> send you us please a send us those posters? <laughs> those posters are dope, man. Um, but during his press rounds, he's been talking about kind of what's coming up next. And his um, fear of tight clothing. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Eric sent me an article that says he hasn't made a superhero movie because he's afraid of super tight clothing. So that's really funny. <laughs> well, God bless this man. Um, Do you, have you seen him with his mustache? No. Is he looking good? Oh, yeah. Movember. Loving it. Um, Movember's coming up. Um so he's doing his press rounds for it. Um, so this is an interview with Collider that he did um, where he talked about – With Steve Weintraub? Uh, it was probably with Steve. It doesn't specify who talked to him, but Steve usually does all of their uh, interviews uh, with people. The on-camera um, stuff at least. Yeah. So uh, this is a quote from uh, Bong Joon-ho. He said, I had a great time working on Parasite, so I want to work on films on the scale of Parasite and Mother, one in Korean and one in English. The Korean project is kind of like a horror film. Um, of course, I'm working 
on it so the genres will all be mixed but if you had to choose one genre it would be along the lines of horror and for the english project it began with a news article i randomly came across on cnn in 2016 it's a small realistic drama piece um so there are more details on this horror film. That yeah, because I making. think IndieWire and the playlist also posted about this, where he's had he he referred to it as a parasite as well, and that he's been thinking about it for about seventeen years. Yeah, and it's time to release yeah, eighteen years. Yeah, it's time to release it into the world. So here's another quote from a Q and A he did at the University of Texas uh, panel. Uh, Again, thank you to Collider. I'm, I'm grabbing this from the article on their website. So he's like, I don't know if you can call it horror because in all of my films, the genre is ambiguous. Very true. Um, but if you have to describe it, it's a horror action uh, and a disaster that happens in Seoul. I've had this idea since 2001, so I've been developing it for 18 years, and now I have an obsession. I really do have to shoot this movie. To give you one hint, it's not a film you can shoot in New York City or Chicago. It only works if all the pedestrians on the street have the same skin tone interesting that is interesting i mean i'm, I'm um, up for anything bong's gonna do but uh but yeah i like that he says like again you know he always works that tonal wire work that and 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 for something like this like it does sound like action and horror isn't something you necessarily put together but for him <laughs> but for him but also another great korean movie that i love uh kim ji woon's um, I saw the devil, yeah. um, which is a horror uh, action movie. Imagine if Clary Sterling was chasing Hannibal Lecter and they were involved in fight sequences. Um, Sounds is, dope. I should watch that. You would love it. It yeah. is dark. It is brooding. Uh, the lead from Old Boy is the um, the, is it the serial super killer. Violent? It yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, it, it truly is. Yeah. There's a scene with a wrench, and I'll just leave it at yeah. that. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I mean. I, at this moment, I think some of the best movies that are being made are coming out of South Korea. Yeah, dude, I, Parasite is fantastic, and and I I mentioned Okja earlier, and I I watched Snowpiercer again the other day, and I'm, I'm making my way through, kind of in reverse chronological order, sort of um, jumping all over the place. But yeah, I I really do think South Korean cinema is fantastic, and I would love to kind of go dive deeper into that. And um, it's a shame that it's never one of foreign language well uh, this year it's uh, i think it's pretty it's much a safe it, it, he might be the front runner for best picture right now in my oh, opinion. directing even too yeah. like i think he's gonna get nominated for directing screenplay um i think the movie's gonna get nominated for cinematography production design because how best can you picture. not how can you not nominate a film like like the production design of that architect's home yeah is so is immaculate pivotal. Yeah. To the story, I think he said even like the trash can was five hundred dollars or something. In the, <laughs> it's in an expensive the, trash yeah. can. Uh, and then and and Song Kang Ho uh, yeah. as you think? As, I think so I as so. as the patriarch of the family. Yeah, you know, like I think he is so good in that movie, and he's also overdue too. Well, overdue, or... but I mean, he is a part of of Bong's filmography. Yeah, that's what like I mean he, by like I he's mean, his Bong, muse. Bong getting nominated is overdue as well yeah and also because the academy in the last couple of years have really opened it up internationally that you're seeing movies like roma and cold war not just being put into you know the best foreign language and now called the best international language film as well right yeah like even cinematography like like we haven't talked about it much i mean i mentioned it in the roundup during tiff 
And we are back. Uh, apologies, guys. Uh, we've had a couple breaks there because of uh, different phone calls and stuff. Well, so. let's let's be honest. We needed to see the Doolittle trailer, which just was released online as we <laughs> were was, recording. We watched it. <laughs> oh, good God. So I guess we can go back into talking trailers before we go into our last um, uh, topic. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Downey is... Doolittle, <laughs> which this trailer looks like it is doing very little to convince us yeah. that it'll be trying good. to make him into an action hero or <laughs> I guess I don't know. Um, they don't really you don't hear many voices from the animals. Well, you don't really uh, hear much of uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s weird accent. accent. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is going to be a catastrophe. It's man. never good a when you see catastrophe. I, I got it. Uh, it's never good when you see. You know, from the producers of Alice in Wonderland and, and Maleficent. <laughs> like, that's a selling point. But both of those movies did well, right? I guess, uh, yeah. Not critically, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, this looks like a nightmare. Um, Antonio Banderas? I, I just... I don't know, man. It doesn't surprise me that it's getting released in January, but to spend this much money on something like this... and Yeah, major reshoots. Like, I don't know who's asking for this film. Like... Who wants to see a reimagining of of Doolittle with Downey Jr.? Like, yeah, no. Who? One. Yeah, I don't know. Wasn't there uh, a Doctor Doolittle movie uh, in the late nineties? Yeah, there were. It was the movies with Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Eddie but Murphy, it was contemporary, yeah. and it was a guy who like could hear animals and thought he was going crazy. Cool. Uh, first one's <laughs> fine. The, that yeah, that those movies it. are okay because Eddie Murphy is selling you on the ridiculous nature of of it of the concept. Um this just looks like a really bad fantasy movie that mostly was shot on green screen and <laughs> they gave Downey Jr the right to do a what accent that is? <laughs> Some European accent? I, yeah. don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't think his Sherlock accent's great, but I mean, no. at least you can tell he's going for the British mm-hmm. posh kind of accent. Yeah, little to no interest in that. Uh, a lot of big names doing voices for the animals, but. Well, um, most importantly, John Cena. John Cena. Who is he playing? I don't know. Well, Rami <laughs> Malik is the gorilla. Weird. And so they've just dubbed his voice with clips of uh, Freddie, Mal- uh, Freddie Mercury, Freddie, Freddie Malik. Malik. Uh, all right, moving on to our last topic, <laughs> which has been uh, uh, one of the biggest things on film Twitter after the Joker discourse. Um, hotly contested. Hotly contested. Martin Scorsese hates Marvel movies and <laughs> hates theme parks. I, w- I would love to do an interview with Martin Scorsese walking around Disney World. Um, well, I mean, we rides. made the joke as we were getting coffee that I'd love to see a Goodfellas theme park ride yeah. with Ray Liotta pistol whipping you and you know <laughs> throwing like cocaine, cocaine at you. <laughs> um, so, anyways, to give people context, if you haven't heard, if you're listening to this, if I'm you're sure the one you person have. that has not, if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely have. Uh, in an interview with Empire. Uh, Martin Scorsese said this about Marvel movies, quote, I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them as well as as well made as they are with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances is theme parks. It isn't cinema of human beings trying to convey emotions, psychological experiences to another uh, human being. And then he did another quote recently where he doubled down. You, you don't have the exact quote. No, but it's but. on The Hollywood Reporter. Um, he was at the London Film Festival uh, talking about it. And he says that they're 
an invasion uh, on cinema. So uh, we can unpack this. And we talked a bit about this over coffee today. And I mean me, everyone listening knows that um, I joke saying I'm a Marvel fanboy, but I do really love the MCU. Um, and I think Scorsese is entitled to his opinion and I'm not going to defend a giant conglomerate like Disney and, 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 and things like that. But I just think I get where he's coming from. I just don't know if it was worded. I know he's just speaking off the cuff, so maybe he didn't like again. And I appreciate that. It's not like a canned answer you would get from a, you know, what a PR person told you to say. Right. And he is speaking from the heart. I just feel like. You're entitled to not like these, but to just say, like, that's not cinema um, and making a blanket statement like that to a hugely popular kind of thing that respected filmmakers and tons of, you know, thousands of people worked on and just making a blanket statement like that, I think, is maybe not the best way to go about it. And I know you have a slightly different take that you well, think I, that maybe his words are being kind of twisted. I, into I would not like to exactly. actually have a, a, a deeper conversation yeah. with him because one, I mean, I would like to know what are the movies he's seen. seen yeah. Cause if he's seen the incredible Hulk, I can understand <laughs> yeah. like if that's the movie he's basing this on. Yeah. Then like, or if he's seen like some of like the really bad, like, you know, um, DC films, even right. like with or like even Suicide Squad, stuff yeah, and just gave up on it, right? Yeah, like phase one. Um, like that's understandable because we don't know the context of what where he's coming from in terms of like, you know, he gave them a shot. He tried. Like what? what Which ones, ones did he see? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and he has in and not that there are Marvel movies, but he has on the commentary for Taxi Driver compare Travis Bickle to batman so you know like he he can see those influences and yeah we were talking about the joker uh, on this episode um and in the past being scorsese adjacent and scorsese actually being a part of the project initially before walking off um for reasons that are still unknown but having um still used a lot of uh new york crew that has worked with him on other productions as well um I think that he is entitled to his opinion. I don't necessarily disagree with in terms of how these movies are kind of set up, mm-hmm. like in the way that like you have someone like Kevin Feige who's spearheading, you know, these productions and they're putting them together in a way that it's like, okay, we've we've established this world building or we've created these characters in the world and now we'll bring in a director into the machine to continue on. And like even someone like like you know, Gwyneth Paltrow was made fun of recently for not knowing that she was in <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man. Spider-Man Homecoming. But now I'm starting to see, like, I understand why. Because, like, there was – I was scrolling through and Tom uh, Holland didn't know that, um, you know, at the end of spoiler alert for Far From Home that Ben Mendelsohn and the scrolls were in that. So it's almost like you are getting, like, you know, the company or the studio and not just Marvel Studio but, like, Disney – making these decisions in post-production saying okay this is what we're also going to put in the movie like we'll do if we do reshoots or we want to add or subtract something we can and it's out of the control of the filmmaker's hands and it's very much art by committee Mm -hmm. right not always because there's a lot of great comic book films and i don't agree that they're not movies because they are they they have beginning middle and end structures and it is weird that you know someone like scorsese who is very open to be 
movie cinema and and I mean got his start with Roger Corman of all people and you know shot movies like Boxcar Bertha and there's a clip of him online talking about all these types of movies that he likes from you know the high art of you know movies that play on Turner classic movies that are you know the, four fo- in the morning the, the, yeah that are that are the Fellini and 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 Kurosawa films and then he talks about Val Luton productions so like you know, the guy is very much open to giving anything a chance and, and loving yeah. all different types of movies. But it also does kind of have not necessarily an old man shouting at the clouds, but a guy that maybe just isn't seeing this as, you know, the evolution, the evolution or, or at least what or the mainstream addition, is. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like. Because it's like Spielberg last year with the Green Book Roma thing where like, you know, a vote for Green Book is a vote for cinema Mm -hmm. where if you're voting for Roma, you know – you're voting for television on on film, which again, which is that is also a comparison that's been made. I've made that comparison where I do feel that. You know, at times that the Marvel Universe with the with the MCU is like watching television on film, but I think they've also gotten better over the years especially in the phase two and three and once they're allowed to let loose a little bit yeah and even the quote about conveying emotion uh, and psychological experiences to another human or in 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 the marvel movies it doesn't necessarily have to be a a human but i just don't agree with like a blanket statement and and openly kind of you know shit posting (laughs) like right well that's not necessarily his fault that's more so the the um the outlets that are posting and reposting sure. these things and then people online taking like, it and then turning it into something else yeah, as well even, like, right? Again, he might not have meant it or like in in the way of like insulting anyone. I think it was just like these are my personal tastes. Yeah. But when you start saying like – and it goes to the de- definition of like – which I think – I don't like talking about like the definition of cinema and a movie or a film or what is a movie. You know what I mean? Like right. to me, it's all one and the same and I mean they they all play at the same places and like well, we've yes, had the discussion they, with even they, twin peaks yeah and they and right? they sure there's they're trying to accomplish different things and marvel movies are yes setting out to thrill you first and foremost which is i get the comparison with a theme park ride um but i do think that there some of them not a, every superhero movie and not every marvel movie are a bit more nuanced than that and yes um it is all subjective and it is his opinion. And I think he's entitled to just be like, but I just think the better quote would have been just like, you know what? I tried. They're just not really my thing. I respect the people who make them, which he's kind of saying. Or Bong Joon-ho's um, version of it. I'm just yeah. afraid of tight clothing. <laughs> clothing. Yeah. But like, at least that's kind of funny. Right. But in this, it's just like, if he would have just taken a step back and go, you know what? I gave him a shot. Uh, it's not really like what I like consuming or it doesn't really interest me to make one of those movies, but there are some great people who worked on those things and, and I respect people who enjoy that kind of stuff. I just, they're not really my thing. Right. right? And I, I mean, again, again, I, I, I'm open to people speaking their mind and being completely honest because I don't think we get enough of that in this industry, right? Yeah. But someone at his point in his career um, who has nothing really to lose, like he just he's speaking just like if me and you were having a private conversation. But he's also speaking, but, I think, as a moviegoer as well because, yeah. of course, like the, there's a great interview with him and Kent Jones 
um, who actually just is now stepping down from uh, the New York Film Festival as the main programmer because he's going off to make his own movies. Um, and it's about a 35-minute uh, video interview um, that you can watch online. And it's him talking about – um, movies now and him being a, a little like I think he needed more time to maybe sort of give more detail Develop or or, or, thought, or yeah. talk about it because in this interview he does something similar not with trashing Marvel movies but he talks about being very um, sincere and 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 honest about how like he doesn't keep up with like a lot of the name actors now so like he didn't know so like one of the movies that they were talking about was a Joanna Hogg film uh, uh, Apopolygo and. Tom Hiddleston's in it. Mm-hmm. He, and he said, oh, the, uh, that Tom guy is really good in it. And people yeah. were laughing. And he's like, um, who ta- – t- t- Tom, Tom, right? Like, uh, and he was re- yeah. referring to, to uh, Kent Jones. And, and Kent Jones is like, Tom Hiddleston. It's like, yeah, that guy. Sorry, I don't keep up with a lot of the names. Like people will send me reels in movies and say like he or she is really good in this film and you should watch it. And I do. And I, and I, and, and I watch the movie. But I just th- – there's a period – there's a time now where like I think – you get to an age and you just maybe like stop at a certain thing or you draw a line. And he sort of talked a little bit about that, but he still, again, thought hereditary was yeah. fantastic. Ari Aster and, was in the audience yeah. and, he, and he was talking about how much he, it's a movie he wish. He, he also called Gabriel yeah. Byrne, Patrick Byrne. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, again, he's totally, I love that he's, he's shooting from the hip and, and, and saying exactly what he feels and he's just like i don't care this is my opinion i think he is a much more articulate and and he is he is a much more articulate and thoughtful man than what a simple soundbite or or line is to get people riled up and i would actually like to see him now sit down and have a full conversation maybe a one-on-one with kevin feige or one-on-one with gun yeah or a moderator to sort of just actually get a fuller and deeper understanding of why he doesn't understand not that he needs to justify that or do that either because he's a he's a grown man he's allowed to have his opinion you are allowed to disagree or agree with him but i think that's what it ultimately comes down to as well is that like it is subjective yeah like and to me though it was back on like he has a platform and he, he I think is Todd a, Phillips has, made, has said more stupid things about I, comic book movies and he's just made and one. he's just made one and I totally agree with that and I never want to like – I just think there will be people on both sides either defending superhero movies or defending Scorsese and I think ultimately it's somewhere in the middle, right? Like yes, there's some truth in what he is saying. Maybe it's just like uh, I just really latch onto you're this guy who obviously is has a super high profile and people will take everything that you say because you are one of the best filmmakers alive and right. of all time. Um, so that's just, why I want more context. That's what because, I mean. Yeah, because like, one statement of that's not cinema, and I don't watch them. I think will be misconstrued of like there are a lot of people who probably respect you that either work. That you know of with James Gunn coming out and saying something or people who work just on those movies that are hardworking people that you might not know by name but they obviously would respect Scorsese and for you to say like, well, that's not – that's not movie – that's that's not cinema. That's just – just like brushing it away like that is just – to me, I just feel like that is the old man yelling at the clouds kind of thing and and I think there's value in the types of movies – Scorsese is making and and we just had this conversation earlier of just like the middle grounds falling out and maybe and, that's and, also another thing that's bothering him as yeah. well because he's not seeing as many sort of 
smaller to mid range films that give a filmmaker their start or yeah. or or a new lead their start, and we're just seeing either these big on the art tentpole films. Yeah. Or these really small movies that are platform releases that you know will will expand based on how they do in limited release. So I look at something like even like Parasite, um, where like you know that it was made outside of the American uh, studio, studio system. system, but at the same time. That movie, if it was made in the system, obviously historical context aside, but you could, that movie can't be made now. It just can't. It really can't. And there are a lot of filmmakers that are struggling to make, you know, those movies that are kind of in the middle. Well, even Scorsese with The Irishman, right? Which is yeah, but I think that's more of a, a technical budget, thing and, and yeah. budget wise. Where Netflix, when it came down to it, was the only studio that could do it because Paramount had it at one point, yeah, and then STX had it at another point, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And with the de aging effects, we haven't seen the movie yet, um, but. When it came down to it, I think Netflix was the only one that could fit that bill. Maybe Disney, but Disney's not going to pay for the Irishman. No. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, it would have been interesting to see that end up at like 20th Century Fox or Fox Searchlight or something like that. Right. um, Ultimately, um, Netflix was the one. And and Marty's shown that like he, as much as he uh, values the cinematic experience, right? But he is willing to kind of not you know sell out but essentially he wanted to make this movie so he went to netflix who uh you would have never guessed that martin scorsese was going to make a netflix movie and obviously in his contract there was a thing where you had to play this in theaters right yeah <laughs> like in which netflix is open to doing even well, though they're opening it on broadway for god's sake yeah now. which is crazy and that's something that he was probably a huge part of of just being like i want this movie to be played in 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 theaters and i wouldn't even be surprised if it if they print some 35 millimeter prints of it to play at like the new beverly or or something like that right in which netflix has only done a few times for certain people i think roma was one of those times obviously there was 35 millimeter prints of that as well um or even maybe 70 mil prints um i think i could be wrong someone can correct me but uh, i think tarantino is the one that almost like volunteered i think for okja i think he volunteered well the to... new beverly plays all of uh the netflix stuff yeah, so, and so like they have dolomite do right now 35, 35. Yeah. yeah so and i think tarantino is the one who like forces them to do that or even says like i will pay for the print yeah. with my own money and yeah. then he keeps the print and it's also his... i mean it's an independent cinema and yeah. he's the one that is the curator and controller of this theater so yeah. he can do what he wants yeah. and he has the clout well, the studio does it. netflix doesn't have to do that no. right but, he but i'm probably, sure netflix appreciates yeah. it because they're one of the few theaters that will that will it. play it yeah and it's interesting people like him uh you know still supporting i mean he's even experimented with his you know extended cuts or or mini series cuts of uh, of i mean with hateful eight and it yeah. looks like he might do the same for django or even once upon a time in hollywood so um yeah, I mean the whole Marty Marvel thing. Like, Marty Marvel. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> that sounds actually like a comic book. It's character. a bit silly, and like he is allowed to say whatever the fuck he wants. I just, I really, try I just to don't think it's worth getting offended or overly it's also, emotional it's just like about getting it. Offended at someone else's opinion, yeah. right? Like, which I you, you just, can disagree, yeah, yeah absolutely, can, but you can't get upset at the dude. It's just I like, just like how can, everyone gets riled up online for like this thing, this one statement that doesn't have any other context really. I mean, like when you read the article, it's a question asked, but other than that, like I, I wish that there was more of a follow up to it. 
like there's not really anything yeah. there. Well, I mean, there's a little bit of a follow up with that quote you mentioned at the because people will ask yeah, him about, but this it's now, still right? it's still not an, enough. Like yeah. I again, like I I would be curious to know what films he has watched that are the films that kind of put him off. Yeah, because I know like his daughter is uh, is a teenager, so yeah. maybe she showed him some stuff, or maybe he's only watched a little bit. But I know with Scorsese, like he's one of those guys that will try to like sit down and give the movie. Like you a think shot. with Black Panther getting nominated last year, he would have seen that, right? right? And and and. I don't know. Who knows? But it, it would be curious to get him to sit down and do like a hour long podcast on it, or like you said, like a an interview with maybe Kevin Feige or or someone like that of just being like, "Hey, you can say whatever you want. Like, no judgment right. here. I just literally want to get." And more will of they your reveal opinion. that Tommy Lee Jones is the mask singer? <laughs> God, that's uh, <laughs> what a dumb show. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, I think that wraps up. What a weird way to end. Um, Martin Scorsese is the masked singer. <laughs> You know what is great though? I've been watching this show. <laughs> no, that is pure uh, cinema. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for Tommy Lee Jones to be revealed. <laughs> great. Uh, I'm excited for The Irishman though. So um, can't wait to see that at Lightbox when it opens. Um, all right, guys. I think that wraps up this special uh, janky Thanksgiving episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Uh, I promise we will get back to the normal microphones and our regular uh, schedule. It's just been uh, after TIFF, we're trying to get back into the groove of everything. So um, once again, Eric, happy 31st birthday yep everyone in going gray (laughs) i am too uh everyone in canada uh happy thanksgiving uh we are thankful for your uh uh, listener your downloads your your subscribing your 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 ratings comments and and your tweets everything we are very thankful to do this each week uh it is a passion project for both eric and i we do it out of love um we had a wonderful time you do it out of love i do it for the money uh, yeah we're not making jack <laughs> jack shit on this we're doing this because we love to do it um so thank you all um we really really do appreciate it uh once again if you liked this there is another show that we do called untitled movie reviews which you can also find on all pa- podcast surfaces podcasts. uh you can check out our reviews right now for gemini man you can also check out our reviews uh our tiff review for joker and lucy in the sky uh and we will have reviews coming up for Zombieland, double tap terminator dark fate and, and the, lodge. the lodge coming up soon uh this month so uh as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the interwebs mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com i do have an article right now on cineplex um about gemini man um uh, which was fun to write. Uh, it was in their recent newsletter. So if you guys get that, you can probably click on that Gemini Man article or find it on their website. I talked about high frame rate and double Will Smiths. And the, it was Big more, and little Will yeah, Willie it was, style. It was more a behind the scenes of uh, how they pulled that off, um, more so about the movie. And then please go check out our Gemini Man. You know movie. how they did it? Money. Um, yeah, lots of money and lots of tech. Um, and you can follow me on all of my shenanigans around the uh, social media is mostly on Twitter and Letterboxd at Matt Rorabek. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my reviews uh, at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. I also have an interview with Ang Lee up there for Gemini Man if you want to check that out. Um, I'm on the social medias, mostly, as Matt said, uh, uh, Letterbox and uh, Twitter at EM6211. We also have a uh, Instagram account for uh, Untitled uh, Movie Podcast, Ump, and it's 
un, un, uh, untitled underscore cast cast i think everywhere uh twitter and instagram and you can find us on facebook as well so yeah we we don't really plug that all that much because eric and i use our personal accounts mostly yeah but, but i try to, doing a good job i've been with, trying to add, add some stuff on the social media yeah, side of eric's things. been doing a great job so please go uh follow ironically you're doing the social media because i work in social yeah. media but you don't want to like overload your life yeah with it, i don't right? i do it for a living i don't need to do it afterwards but uh thank you for doing that Not please go follow us untitled underscore cast i think everywhere on on that as well okay guys we'll be back next week with hopefully a regular episode but we'll keep you posted um thank you again um until next time the masked singer is tommy lee jones <laughs> <laughs>